This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you all the features on the site completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. There's big, big news in the radio industry. We'll share some of it with you. It's pretty exciting uh, for Free Talk Live. A little creative destruction going on out there, we'll uh, explain. But your phone calls are the primary element of the program. And since you're already on the lines, we'll go to the phones and the fun. Let's start things out with Greg, listening in California. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Dale, and Mark. Yes, hi. Uh, good afternoon. How are you today? Just super, Greg. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to touch on something from the uh, Alex Jones show earlier when he was going on about um, illegal immigration. And I have some specific firsthand experience with that that would absolutely confirm what he was saying. Well, what was he I, um, saying? A lot, of builder, a lot of contractors and so forth around California in various trades and whatnot um, have worked with um, you know immigrants from south of the border, for a variety of reasons, but when he said they're above the law, he wasn't joking. I was once in operation with this one fellow by the name of Jose, who um, he had some issues, and he actually was pulled over by a CHP, completely drunk on hard liquor, driving a pickup truck, no driver's license, and they basically just said, shame on you, and let him go. Now, I had another friend who had a couple of beers at a bar, drove a block down the street, got pulled over by a local cop, and he ended up having to spend, I think at the end of the day, it was $14,000 plus a little time in, in jail for the, for the DUI. I, I, so, Greg, what I, a friend of mine has told me similar situations out there in California, and what it draws up to my mind is that, um, well, the, the police that say, that the, the side of the car say protect and serve, and, and that tends to fool people into believing that that might be true, but in fact, they're really armed fundraisers for the government. And perhaps, like, this is just an idea that perhaps the government has figured out that there's not a lot of money to glean from Mexicans who drive beat-up vehicles, so they generally let them go, whereas there's a lot more money to be gleaned from, say, white people that drive nicer cars. So they profile... Yeah, I, I agree. That makes perfect sense. But just to, you know, what he's, when Alex was talking about, you know, the, the creation of chaos, you know, the population explosion, you know, um, strain on resources. All that is very true, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Well, I don't, know what the, I don't know what all is very true. I mean, you're, you're referencing a We're certainly a not a strain of... on resources as far as housing goes. I mean, there's a lot of houses sitting un, un, uh, unoccupied at this time. And, I mean, as far as resources like water and food, um, if, if there was a strain on them, the prices would go yes, up. I mean, more like public, public services such as health care. And, um, you know, there are other things that are just kind of being uh, under a lot of pressure here because of the influx of illegal uh, when, when you say public services, you mean like government provided Free stuff like welfare? Yes. Well, that's that's uh-huh. a that's a welfare problem. That's not an immigration problem. I mean, I, right. I, I, I'm of the opinion okay. that we, we in this country, we have a government and welfare problem. We don't have an immigrant problem. What we immigrants could very well save this country and this economy, whereas um, whether they're legal or illegal or uh, from Mars, as long as they eat food, live in houses and drive vehicles, I think that they could be the thing that actually gets America back on track. Or you it's, skip it's the productive true. part. It's provided I mean, the one, that all you know, the applies to all working. people that are in this country, and we've noticed, you know, locally that that's not the case in, yeah, the, in, their, yeah. in their case. Well, that's because yeah, the government you know, doesn't do work for you. Law, that's because the government doesn't bad. work for you, Greg. Dale, what were you trying to say there? You guys were cross-talking. 
Yeah, sorry. Um, well, I was just saying you, you talked about the consumption aspect of immigrations, but you know, of course, the important part is that they're producing. Yeah, they produce they're and they're working consume. very hard for a living. So, Greg, did you hang up? He did. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It just bugs me uh, when I hear people call other people illegal. And I, I realize that there's a lot of propaganda well, out there. But there's a difference between people that are here in this country, have immigrated to this country legally, and people who have immigrated to this country illegally. I understand you don't like the term. There's you, a difference you, there's in that a, one one group of those people went and bowed down before their masters in the state, paid uh, whatever extractions were demanded of them, jumped through whatever hoops were demanded of them. That's the difference. It's a difference that only matters if you are a practicer of the religion of statism. If you're not of that religion, then it's just silliness. It's well, I, really not a difference. Uh, well, it doesn't. It, it it doesn't matter to me whether those people are good or bad. I don't think that by breaking the rules that have been set up, the arduous, stupid rules that have been set up by the government, that those people are bad. However, I am not going to pretend like I don't know the difference. You know, because I do know the difference. Well, I'm, I'm not pretending I don't know the difference. I know that there are people who. I know that there are other people who practice that religion who believe that. That's what I know, and that's the difference. Yep. I don't, and so it's 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 silly to me. It's like arguing what color unicorns are. So uh, I know what the difference is. The difference is the people that didn't pay the government extractions and jump through the government hoops are courageous. That's what the difference is. The rest of them, I, I don't blame the other ones for bowing down and kissing the boot of, uh, of Master. I mean, I, I don't uh, hold it against them necessarily, but it is not a courageous thing to do to go and apply for permission and wait and, uh, and beg. There's no courage involved in that. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I think it bears pointing out, though, I mean, you touched on it, Mark, that... It's a welfare problem. People are – a lot of the objections that people have to so-called illegal immigrants is that oh, they're a drain on the system. Well, the system's the problem. Right. The system. You set up a stupid system because one has to ask themselves, like, here I am in New England. Why is it that – you know, why is it that I should have to pay for somebody – you know, welfare for somebody who's in San Diego, but I don't have to pay welfare on somebody who's across the border in Tijuana? You know, what yeah. difference does it make? It's arbitrary. Those, right. The, the, there, there are people in Canada that are closer to me than people in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't I have to pay for the people in Canada's health care, but I do have to pay for the health care of people in North Carolina? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Not at all. And so it's important to correct a lot of these uh, misconceptions and misunderstandings because really what the immigrants have become is essentially a, a group of people to put a bunch of blame on, yes. to point the finger at. The uh, economy stinks because these people are weighing down the system. No doubt. But the problem is, is that, uh, you know, the, 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 the people that the greatest generation or whomever, the, the baby boomers, let it happen. It's not the problem here isn't in this country people coming here, whether they're legal or illegal. The problem is the people who have run the country up to this point and the people who have let them do it up to this point. Absolutely right. Uh, the only way to solve that problem is well, – it's not very easy. No, it's not easy. Uh, but the mm-hmm. best way to solve that problem would, I think, be to have a state declare independence, uh, to secede from the union and to open its borders and truly allow fr- uh, free people to cross borders well, and, of course, abolish the welfare programs as well. That there's, way there's the people option. that need help can just go to charities and then the charities can decide who they want to help and on what circumstances and, and all of that, what right. criteria. Well, there's the options of just not participating in the system. You can say no, no. 
I don't want to pay for uh, you know welfare for illegal aliens, and I don't want to pay for a border fence, and I don't want to pay for helicopters and men uh, in you know fatigues stopping people at checkpoints. I don't want to pay for that either. Whatever the term, you know, the ones that are going to ultimately come door to door looking for illegal immigrants and go business to business, making sure you have your papers for all of the people who are happening right now. It absolutely is working. So um, the (laughs) you know if whatever it is you don't want to pay for, whether it's the um, the welfare for the illegal immigrants or for the the state crackdown on them. Or whatever it is, why should you have to? It's a state crackdown on everybody. I'd like to point that out. I mean, it's a crackdown on absolutely everyone. They've got border checkpoints that are happening within 50 to 100 miles away from the uh, the borders. Those are happening to absolutely everybody. And, of course, they're the actual border uh, on the border uh, bureaucrats that are stopping all kinds of vehicles and impeding the flow of uh, commerce, impeding the economy. I mean, if uh, people could just cross over borders freely, then imagine how much time that would save. If people didn't have to be stopped at all these checkpoints, imagine how many uh, t- how many hours, man hours, would be uh, would be saved. What compl- about all the terrorists with ticking bombs in their pants? Well, that's just it. It's a multiple uh, multiple pronged enemy, right? I mean, we've got the, uh, the you, got, this- you got illegals and terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, but but uh, the point should be made, sure, that the same organization that's trying to guard the borders is the same organization that's running all over the world in 131 nations, 700 military bases on foreign land, occupied foreign soil, propping up dic- tin-pot dictators, kings, sheiks around the world. The, ki- the kind of thing that America should absolutely be standing against, yeah. America and chooses to enslave, uh, I'm sorry, billions of people it's as a result. The, it's also the same organization that can't keep drugs out of its own prison, so the idea that you'll be able to keep human beings out of a 2,000-plus mile, or a couple of thousand-plus mile borders. America. Yeah, they're definitely not going to get the ones with bombs in their pants. I mean, <laughs> The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Just dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us. On our website at freetalklive.com, we've got a chat room. It's open all the time. Of course, best time to find people is during live show hours or very nearby those show hours. You can go to chat.freetalklive.com and get interactive. Chat.freetalklive.com. And the 12-year process of public education has a dramatic effect on the mind of a child. When we enter school, many of our best personal attributes are already in place. We're curious, innovative, unique, creative, and hopeful in ways that many of us are rarely able to replicate throughout the rest of our lives. But over time, school sucks those natural gifts out of too many people and replaces them with predictability, obedience, and apathy. Oh, and it's also funded by theft. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. As we continue here, take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind, and then big news in the radio business. Uh, we'll tell you what that's all about here. First, though, Chris is in Texas. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. 
Hey guys, uh, going on about the previous subject, man. I, I, I'm so sick of the immigration thing. Just let them in already. It, it's not worth all the money we're spending on everything. Oh, man, the money has not even begun to be spent, really. I mean, if you listen to the proposals of the people that want to try to keep immigrants out of this country, it's just maddening. Right. Uh, I mean, you're talking that... about blimps with heat-seeking machine guns on them. I mean, the whole thing. It's... Underground electric fences somebody proposed recently. <laughs> Moats and they and think baiters. it's going to help the economy. You know, like spending all that money, they think it'll help the economy. And here's the thing about that is they will. They'll spend a bunch of money and it will stimulate certain sectors of the economy, but it will bleed everything through taxes and inflation. So everything will bleed, but we won't see that. That will be very discreet. The scene of the unseen. We'll see the stimulation part. We'll see the part they've stimulated very specific sectors of the economy, um, primarily the war machines. You won't see the opportunity costs. You won't see what – uh, that money, however many billions of dollars it would have been or it will be, you won't see those billions of dollars being spent by the people that earned it. Uh, so, therefore, it would be allocated correctly as opposed to allocated in uh, politically correct ways. Right. I watched a, a pretty good movie. Uh, I, I think the movie was crossing over a couple of months ago. It's it's just kind of a, a good look at a realistic look at how our, our, immigra- our immigration issues are going right now. Hmm. Was it a documentary or a fiction? No, no. It, it, I think it was the movie theaters. I can't really remember who was in it or anything like that, but it, it had a couple of big-name actors in it. But uh, it's, I'm pretty sure Crossing Over is the name of it. So but, you're saying it was, you know, not, the, it was reason, not a documentary, you mean? No, it's not a documentary. Okay. No, no, no. It's, it, it's a... Well, anyway, the reason that I called was... Uh, Kind of had a bone to pick with you, and the other day you were picking on Ron Paul a little bit for his endorsement of uh, another... Texas congressman that back down here and the way that you told the story now I've not seen the video but the way that you described it was that they confronted him with it and they said why did you endorse this guy and he's he, you know he was honest about it he said well I made a deal um from to his credit he was honest it. about it that's true he said he'd made and, uh, he was under an agreement with the Republican Party of Texas to endorse all of their candidates regardless of how bad they are well just kind of to clarify a little bit the 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 whisperings that I've heard about that, I, I'd heard about that before you brought it up, and kind of the understanding here in Texas is that that was a trade-off for Republican support on his audit the Fed bill. And uh, al- although it is kind of shoddy that he's you know report you know endorsing other people that may not be as liberty-minded as him, you do have to make some sacrifices to get the cause towards liberty advance. I mean, at, at some points, and I think a lot of the Ron Paul supporters are are, are educated enough. To when they hear somebody, you know, say another name, that they would go and do the research behind that person. You think so? I don't think so. I I don't think so. And it's not just Ron Paul supporters that are going to get swayed by his endorsement. Right. Well, let's let's not forget um, that Ron Paul's endorsement to the Republican really, what does that do? It it may throw the vote in Texas. Okay, like the Democrats going to get elected. You know, I mean, it's I, I, what difference does what it I, make? What I hear from you, Chris, is, is this common excuse of, well, it's politics, so you got to compromise if you want to make things happen. 
And, you know, that is politics, and that's how it's always been. And color me, uh, you know, unconcerned about all of this. I mean, I just I just brought it out because I thought it was uh, interesting that Mr. Ron Paul, who is normally very principled and uh, is one of the, I think, more stand-up guys, has sold, had sold out and, uh, and compromised himself. And I just thought, thought it was an interesting example of that compromise to, uh, to point out how it is that even people who are as principled as Ron Paul can't even... Even stick to their uh, to their principles. Of course, then we pointed out shortly thereafter that you had had in fact uh, sold out from the very beginning by being on FCC licensed stations, not being able to say the f bomb, things like that, and that everybody in their life really does have to make some level of compromise in order to get along. Or even for the Free State Project. I mean, if if just let's say Chris from Texas had eleven thousand people that I could say could move tomorrow, and all you had to do was say, "Hey, I'm a good guy on the air one time." I mean, that'd be worth it, wouldn't it? I don't know. Are they good? A good eleven thousand people? I don't know. They're good, good, solid libertarian activists that you know haven't heard about it yet. And I mean, all we're splitting hairs frankly. now. I, I admitted that uh, that that was a valid critique of myself on this show. Yes, we uh, play by the rules so we can get the word of uh, of freedom out a little bit further. But uh, it was it's still as much of a valid critique about Ron Paul. Uh, yeah, I don't think um, occasionally being able to drop the f bomb is, is is it's not that that big of a sacrifice. <laughs> you know, nor to be able nor to be is on the endorsing air. the Republican in Texas. Well, it, except, the guy's that, except that that's a, that's a lie because he doesn't really like endorse him. I mean, he's like doing it. You know, he's making he's going through the motions, but he you know it's really it's really kind of a. Big sure, lie. but you know, if if the word that I'm thinking to myself is the f bomb, I, mean, I don't care. But the word that I, I say, don't care really. It's politics to right. me. It's just a big game that it people is. play to feel it like they're doing big something. Game. Absolutely. And you if know. you don't think it's a like, if you don't play it like it's a game, you're gonna lose. Well, I I, I don't but play if, it at all. If the all real word, wait, wait, wait I, it's, Dale. I want to or... point out about this lying thing. If the real word I'm thinking is the f bomb, but the way the the word that I say is fidge widgets, I've lied. You understand? Like I haven't spoken my highest truth. And so Ron Paul, by endorsing this candidate, hasn't spoken his highest truth. Maybe, maybe, maybe he has. Well, I, but there's a pretty big difference. You know, it's, well, it's, I'd consider, I'd between, consider between paraphrasing and coming out and saying the campaign trail. I mean, that's more of a, you know, walking next to him and holding his hand through the the thing, saying, "Look, I'm Ron Paul. Vote for this guy," which he's not doing that. Fair enough. Any other thoughts for us tonight? No, that's it. You guys have a good night. All right. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Just, I brought it up as uh, as an example of how easy it is for people to be compromised in the game of politics. And what you didn't realize is you don't mess with Texas, because those people <laughs> take their politics real serious down and, there. Yeah, I mean, and... The the thing is, you know, that's not like the first time. I I still remember remember being at this point. I'd already stopped playing the politics game, but I still remember um, when there were commercials by the Ron Paul campaign showing the wetbacks swimming across the rivers and climbing fences, and you know, just we were just talking about the immigration issue, and he was fear mongering about immigration. And how he needed, we needed to crack down. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live.
Kiss Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free. You can bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, uh, freetalklive.com features, including our Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan for free, of course, over at facebook.freetalklive.com. And I want to tell you about the Liberty Forum. It's coming up in March, the 18th through the 21st. It's going to be happening in Nashua, New Hampshire, at the Crown Plaza Hotel, where it has been held the last uh, couple years. And a nice, nice venue. It's a great venue, and it's a great event. Uh, gathering The hotel together. rooms aren't terribly expensive, either. Considering how fancy the hotel is? Yeah, I mean, like, it could be... It, in another city, it'd be a lot more. Absolutely. And I should add that no hot young guys have contacted me yet about splitting my room. So. Oh, that's a shame. I know. I, what's me going either, on? thank God. Dale at <laughs> Free God Talk. knows what you're talking about. <laughs> they can get in touch with you at dale at freetalklive.com if they want to. Uh, so you can go to the Liberty Forum and uh, gather with hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people who are going to come together for the entire weekend and enjoy each other's company and uh, see different speeches and panel discussions and things like that. It's uh, it's a convention-y style atmosphere. It's very different from the, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is the Free State Project's summertime uh, gathering, which is out happens out in the woods. But the Liberty Forum, more uh, it's not suit and tie necessarily, but uh, it's it's a convention uh, style thing. Though afterwards, after uh, the after hours parties are. Uh, I'm Our, glad you added that because a yeah. lot of people, when you say convention, they're going to picture this kind of stuffy thing with meetings. It's, I mean, first of all, even the meetings are—they're not meetings like the speaker events and stuff are very are, are very lively and fun. But even after that, the important thing is there's parties, there's there's other stuff going on yeah. besides the speaker events. There's actually quite a lot going on and a good chance to explore the area up in you know, here in New Hampshire and meet people and things like that. Absolutely, it's uh, it was a really good time. Every time I've been, I've really enjoyed myself. So head on over to freestateproject.org/libertyforum to learn more about uh, what's happening this year. You get the list of speakers. I know that uh, Andrew Napolitano is going to be there. They call him the judge. Uh, He's going to be one of the keynote speakers. And I think that uh, the other two keynotes are yet to be announced, but we'll let you know as soon as we hear about them. I've heard a hint on one of them, but... uh uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. At this point, uh, is all I know is mass election. Okay, there's no point in, uh, in speculating. Uh, so yeah. go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. As we continue, we'll take your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. Going to Rich in Connecticut. Rich, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Another Rich. illegal immigration call. Sorry about that. Oh, no. Don't, don't apologize. What's on your mind tonight? Um, you know, you guys came from Florida. You moved to New Hampshire. I'm a former Southern California guy. I moved to Connecticut. I'm also a Free State Project member, just ready to buy real estate, especially in this market. That's um, right. I actually have my eye on a place right now. Um, I think you guys are putting the proverbial cart in front of the horse. I'm not against immigration, but you guys seem to be all game for it before we put some controls on the welfare process and 
That's what concerns me. This is a common. Was, uh, this is a common uh, process of reasoning by people that are sort of, you know, liberty oriented in general, but concerned about immigration. The idea that, well, you know, I like the idea of immigration, but we just need to take care of this welfare problem first. In the meantime, we need to build a fence and put machine guns up and stop these people from coming here. Right. There's 20 million yeah. immigrants in this country. You understand that, right? Illegal. Absolutely. 25, maybe. Right. And and so nothing's stopping them from coming. So do you propose that we stop them from coming and then, uh, you know, spend the whatever uh, five or three four to five years that it takes to uh, get whatever political process to make that happen, especially with, at this point, a Democratic uh, House, Senate and uh, White House? Um, do, you, do you propose we push that way or do you propose that we spend that uh, that same political capital if as if either of these things is really going to happen? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you because right. the people in Washington and big businesses don't want illegal immigration stopped, okay? And um, also the people in Washington and the people in big business don't want welfare and government programs and big government programs stopped. So the arguing back and forth on this issue, really, there is no point. And, and more importantly, who are you punishing? I mean, why do you want to punish uh, immigrants for, like, like Mark said – the welfare system was put into place by the process, the political process here. I mean, why? It's not their fault. I mean, they 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 have every right to to try and work hard for a living, as anyone else. And, and so oh, I don't Dale, really. I, I would break right into this country to work if that was the option that I had. I, I adopted a cat a couple of months ago, and I'm, I'm sitting on the floor right now. This is not my talking point, but I feed this cat because I adopted it. I want it here. But if 50 cats broke into my house and were eating and nobody told me I couldn't stop it from eating the food that I bought from the store, seven ninety nine a darn uh, bag, you know, I think I need to control the cat population before I, uh, ex- you know, okay, but, talk about but anything else. I hear you, but why are you complaining about the brown people that are eating your food instead of the white people that are eating your food? Because there's a lot. Brown? The, have, the you, welfare, have you met the Irish the immigrants that have is, been breaking into the Boston okay, metropolitan area? Okay, but whether they're citizens or not, they're they're partaking of a welfare system that is the problem. And so it is Agreed. still irrelevant to talk about whether they're immigrants or not when you're talking about the welfare system. Right, how many, control, how many Dale, immigrants, that's all I'm asking for. How many immigrants? On, but you want to control controls? certain people and not others. That's no. what's bothering me about Go ahead it. and run us some ideas by me, because I've heard them all before. Give me something Give me something fresh. How are you going to control them? Uh, invite, the, invite the nurses, invite the doctors, invite the top radio talk show hosts, invite all the people who can come here and prosper and add something to the business. Not, uh, if, if I had uh, you know, lung cancer and I'm from uh, Guam, uh, Guam's an American territory, sorry, if I'm from Thailand, I might want to move here to get some free medical care to take care of my lung cancer. That's probably not the guy we want to invite in to pay for his expenses. You didn't invite answer my question. In, invite the nurse from India who has some skills who can contribute something and okay, you know, join the party. Okay, you have not answered my question. I, I asked you, how do you want to control them? You said, I want to send out some invitations. And that doesn't answer the question about how you want to control people. It's a fence, Ian. It's build what? a fence. It's a not. Fence. <laughs> you really serious with me? You serious? You want to build a fence? Gentlemen, I know you're from Florida. I'm from Southern California. I've seen the fence. I've, I've, I've lived there. I've been there. Yeah, you build the fence. Okay. Well, but you know they have tunnels under the fence, right? And I think that even a more um, a more impressive uh, structure or a thing that is in the way is this: after Mexico, um, the second largest country where Im- illegal immigration occurs from is China. Are you going to build a fence bigger than the Pacific Ocean? 
No, but it suggests we control our uh, our ports. Well, wait, but wait a minute. You can't you can't land a boat at other places than a port. I mean, how how hard is it to just dock on a beach somewhere for a moment and let some people out? And and what about when someone comes here, presumably on vacation, and then just doesn't leave? How what are you going to do about that? Police happens state. all the time, gentlemen. Police if you're asking me if it can be completely controlled, no. But if you're could... asking me if we can control 20 million people in coming into this country, yeah, I think With we'd have a little state. bit of control over that, guys. Well, a little bit, yeah. a little yeah. bit. They could, they could make it worse, right? It's already bad the way that uh, the, the the way that these controls go, are used against businesses, the way that they um, they mess with the marketplace, the the way that they um, you know they disallow uh, people to get lower prices because of lower labor. They already mess with that by employing a bunch of bureaucrats who provide nothing to the um, actual uh, economy. And if if you really want to talk about uh, these cats that have broken into your house and eat, eating all your food, you have to remember that these cats, that the, the, that the economically there isn't re- any real definitive numbers as to whether, whether or not these cats in fact provide to the economy or suck off of it. Admittedly, some are, are a net loss, but some are a net gain. And um, when you look at illegal immigration, and it's hard to get these numbers. These people have homes, they have cars, they they eat food, and all of that, and, and they buy things. And they know, work. And, and so really a hard, lot of them do suck off the system, admittedly, but there's no good, firm numbers that say one way or the other as to whether these people are a net loss or a net gain. And that's the oh, nature Mark, of the, I will take uh, exception to that, if you don't mind. Uh, my family's in the contracting business in Southern California. We played by the rules, and we lost something awful because we played by the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's my beef with this, guys. You stop playing by the rules. Play, it, yeah. You want to get ahead, you don't play rules. by the rules. Yeah. Look, here's here's what's really the most disturbing. This, this most Why disturbing not? part about your call is that you don't understand, apparently, and I hope you come to understand this someday, that if you want to control others, you'll only inevitably find yourself controlled. You're never going to be free with your the attitude that you have towards other people and their freedom. Thank you for the call, and good luck. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is where you go. All the features there are completely free. The brand new FTL 2.0 website Free for you, freetalklive.com. And HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name, whether you want to personal blog or complete e-commerce business website, you can let the uh, experts at HostGator.com host you. If you use the code FTL, uh, as in Free Talk Live, you, when you sign up at HostGator.com, you'll receive the first month completely free. It's HostGator.com, code FTL. Again, the toll-free number here for you to bring up anything is 800-259-9231. We just got off the phone with Rich in Connecticut, and for me, uh, it's it's sad to listen to uh, to callers like Rich because I hear myself 
uh, in in his call. When I first got into the liberty movement and I took the world's smallest political quiz for the first time, which you can take for yourself over at, I believe, quiz.freetalklive.com, it's put out by the uh, the good folks over the Advocates for Self-Government, and it is a quick 10-question quiz that, uh, depending on how you answer, it will chart. You can chart yourself, and it'll tell you, are you a libertarian, a, a, a conservative, a liberal, or an authoritarian? And I scored, I think it was an 80... I, I either answered maybe or no on the immigration question, as far as, you know, should should... Immigration, uh, immigrants be able to uh, cross borders freely, essentially, was what the question was. And I don't even know if it's still on the quiz these days. I think they actually took it off the quiz uh, for whatever reason. But the original It's a very version, divisive question, yeah, the original even in the Liberty Movement. So I saw that, and I uh, and every other question I'd answered yes, and so I almost scored to the top of the, uh, the Libertarian quadrant on that quiz, and I thought to myself, well, what am I doing wrong here? I mean, I, I believe that you know, I, I signed this statement that said I, I don't support the initiation of force uh, to achieve political or social goals. And I thought to myself, well, clearly I have the, uh, the inappropriate position on this and I need to learn more about it. And so I set about learning more about uh, the, the immigration issue. And now I'm, I'm here where I am today. And that is I understand that all human people are human beings and they de- deserve to be treated equally. And that doesn't mean they should be oppressed equally. They should be equally free. And that means that they should be free to cross uh, arbitrary lines in the sand uh, called borders. Right. Well, even if you um, believe that borders are uh, sacrosanct or whatever they are, um, you know, it's still aggression against me. Now, this has never been an issue for me. I've always felt that people from other countries are extraordinarily valuable to this economy, that, in fact, it's the, um, the slothful, lazy Americans that are unwilling to do uh, so much of the work around here that are the problem. I think we'd be a heck of a lot better off, uh, you know, if we if we kicked out some Americans and, 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 you know, traded them for some of the productive illegal aliens. Well, you have to understand, I was fresh out of government school, at, you know, when sure. I held that position. So hey, what, been, I was a Republican, so I know what you're yeah. talking about. The point I, um, you know, the, the point here is, is I want to let these people in, and you, who if you support this, uh, this, this sort of aggression, you support taking money from me at the point of a gun because mm-hmm. I'm going to go to jail if I don't pay these, uh, these uh, federal income taxes. You support taking that money from me so that you can, uh, you know, keep the people out that I want to let in. And that's wrong. It's more like so you can have your little fantasy program where you get to tell yourself that you're actually doing something right. about. There's them. no way to keep them. There's no way to keep them out. Well, you know, actually, let's be fair. If they spend enough money and made an uh, just an uh, just atrocious police state, and it already is a police state, but if it just gets worse and worse and worse to the point where the immigrants just decide, yeah, you know, I'll just stay here in Guatemala. You yeah. start asking uh, everyone for papers everywhere we go. Yeah, and you can catch the immigrants that way. They won't be able to function. Uh, we'll just you know paper. The economy Please, won't function either. Yeah, right. I mean, no, everything. I mean, it, sure. It'll look like the pot. TSA line at the grocery checkout. It'll look at the TSA line at the stoplights because they'll they'll have to do uh, you know car to car searches. It'll sure. be TSA lines if you everywhere, travel, especially. That'll Anytime be awesome. You go from like one city to another. Uh, you hey, know, Mark. Especially across state borders and things like hey, that. Hey, whatever it takes to stop these people from taking welfare. Well, but, right. But you see, <laughs> the point is, is the point that I tried to make, and 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 I, uh, uh, the gentleman Greg who called Rich. in had it. Rich, I thought it was Greg. Actually, there have been a few. Okay, um, he had an anecdotal story about what happened to uh, you know his family playing by the rules in California. And I understand. Yeah. It's hard when you play by the stupid government rules. That's They're right. Bad rules. And when you, you know, I mean, there's nothing I, good about playing by the rules. The, the Nazis that played by the rules got 
lined up at Nuremberg and shot. What's okay, good? So, so there's there's nothing good about playing by the rules. Right. What's good is treating people the, well and being right. honest in those your dealings. The, those are the rules of tyrants, and disobeying the rules of tyrants is a very good thing to yeah, do. Absolutely. And I, I should point out that I, I I think I phrased it badly when I asked Rich, you know, well, what about the white people versus the brown people? And 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 uh, you know, he pointed out, well, there's other immigrants that are white, and uh, and. I, I should have said, uh, and, and I'm not calling him racist. I don't. I don't even. I don't really think he is racist. And uh, I should have pointed out, you know, what about citizens versus non-citizens? Why is it okay for citizens to steal from me, but not these other people? I don't see that as any difference. Obviously, to me, it's a, it's again arguing over the color of unicorns. It's well, the a, recipients of the welfare aren't doing the stealing. The recipients right. are just taking well, advantage of that's, that's uh, a true. program offered to them by the criminals who are actually doing the stealing. Yes, that's that's true. that's a good point. And and but the point is why do you, why are you worried about benefiting these particular people versus these others? And and you know that kind of gets down at the root of it is that you see the status that this person has by virtue of having been knighted by the system as a citizen, and versus these other people. Who they weren't born in the right place, you know. Let's That's not call it. it a race thing, but they, you know they weren't born in the right place, you know. Well, it's, and, but and, it's not fair to just um, to say that that somehow the the um, the the immigrant issue doesn't smack of racism, okay? Oh, it, it, it does may, in many cases. Right. It may. You're just pointing out not, rich I, didn't. Rich that, didn't. No, I was not. I I have. I mean, I was not. I, I held the same position that Rich does now, and it was not right. racially motivated. I can right. tell you that much. Rich. So has, it doesn't for a lot of people. Rich has the same position that a big it does right it may not be that he's a bigot yeah. but i mean like and and where you know where does he's in that company it's right, not I don't, motivated that's by not that, where but, i want to be personally. right it's not motivated by that for him but it, it, you're right he's sharing the company mm-hmm. right now a bigot may say we need to get rid of all them mexicans and and um but that's the first off who's going to be the uh, the officer that's out there looking for him are they going to profile are they going to really be looking for that irish immigrant or the right. canadian immigrant <laughs> even harder to find no they're not they're going to be those, looking for the the people that are most likely to those, be Illegal, those border checks ask people, are you a citizen? You know, are you a U.S. citizen? Yeah. And if you look white and say yes, they're not going to check things, mm-hmm. you know. But, the, you know, they're, they're, yeah, of course they're profiling. Toll free number How else will they do it? 800-259-9231. Uh, let's continue. Frank is on the line in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Frank in New York going once. Frank in New York going twice. Okay, let's try Conrad in North Dakota. Conrad, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hey, I've got actually one of those segues I've heard so much about. You guys are talking about bigots, and I want to defend Scott the Bigot. Okay. Oh, my. <laughs> yes. um, well, you know, let me first start off by saying um, when I started my philosophic journey, I was uh, what you'd call a liberal, a leftist, a socialist. Um, and I had to argue against a very good friend of mine who, as it turns out, was a neo-Nazi, someone very similar to Scott the Bigot. And it was through arguing with him that I realized, well, he's wrong, and I'm wrong, and I had to find a third way, and, you know, that was libertarianism, which uh, eventually led to, you know, not a statism. And uh, so I'm, I'm actually very well versed in the racist arguments, and I know a lot about them, and I know a lot about what Scott says, and I think that you guys might be just a little too hard on him. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, you, you come across as if there are no differences in race, but, but there are. I mean, this, I'm, not being, I'm not saying that people should be judged on them based on that, but if I were to tell you that I knew this girl and she was beautiful and she had blonde hair and blue eyes, I guarantee you you're thinking about a white woman, right? There, there are 
black people out there who have blonde hair and blue eyes. I don't think anyone's denied the that there's different of them. colors. I'm right. sorry? I don't think people, any of us have ever denied that there's different colors black and people are black. different and stuff. Well, right, they're different but shades. I mean, do you really but... think that the differences in race are only skin deep? I really no, there's much. Some, there's there's some there's some other things there's some other things like t- uh, medical know, issues. Propensity. There's some medical differences like sickle cell anemia and and some things like that. I uh, well, don't you think that also maybe a, a propensity to save a propensity maybe even to scheme as Scott would probably say. No way. Uh, Absolutely not. Based on race. No. Look, race. No, no, look, right. no wait, wait, wait. No, you look, look, look here. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're using. You're you're making these broad generalizations like what you're saying is true. Now scientists will te- will say that there is in fact no such thing as race, and that race is something that somebody decides for themselves. And I have to ask you, I'm sitting here and I know that there's a portion of my ancestry that's Asian. I, you know, do, am I a white guy or am I an Asian guy? We'll bring it back, Conrad. Uh, hang on. 800-259-9231. We can continue this conversation here coming up in hour number two. And you can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We'll give you all the features on our site for free. Unlike those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their website. Uh, Ours is free at freetalklive.com. As we go back to the phones and the fun, Conrad is in North Dakota Conrad, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, just to bring our listeners up to speed, you've called tonight to defend Scott the Bigot, someone who calls in on a regular basis and talks about how he hates people who are different uh, skin color than him and are a different uh, so-called race uh, than uh, than he is. And At times, he's he's his uh, you know over the over the you know months he's gotten better and worse. Uh, like he tends to, to to get better and then kind of snap back. And well, when he's better, he's just not ranting about hating people. It's those are his better calls. Uh, doesn't mean he hates people uh, any less. But Conrad, you're not saying you hate other people, uh, but you are bringing up some questionable statements. And if you could just recap what you were saying, that'd be great to get the conversation going again. You know, and this is not a hill I want to die on, but it seems to be one I get crucified on pretty regularly. My my point is that you guys seem to be oversensitive about race. And I would be willing to argue that, that there is a difference between 
you know, races between people of different origins. And, and that, that difference is hereditary, genetic. You know, if you look at it phylogenically, I think, you know, like maybe the distinction between black, white, and Asian, you know, is a really big category. But I think you could draw some pretty generalities between Japanese people and, say, French people that, you know, in general, on average, you can expect a difference in attitude in the way they act. If you look at uh, genetic studies when we have you know, twins that are reared apart, we seem to find over and over that they have you know, quite a bit of similarities despite having never known each other and having different uh, upbringings. And my point is that... There's actually not near enough of role. that. There's nowhere near enough of that to actually, for, for that to actually be, have any sort of statistical significance. Yeah, it's empirical data. Those well, twins reared apart that you're talking about, it's, it's very, very uh, – those are incredibly anecdotal cases because there's just not nearly enough of them. It's such a rare scenario. Well, there's, there's not nearly enough of them for it to be anything other than an anecdotal. It can't be a, really a scientific study. Go ahead and throw out a statement, Conrad. I mean, go ahead and, uh, and make a statement about what you believe to be a, a difference that is valid. Well, and, Especially and, when you hear again, about the well, scheming. I mean, it goes back to, like I said, if I say a person with blonde hair and blue eyes – you're going to think of, of you know, okay. a, a European. Okay, but let's but, cut to the chase. You Let's get past blonde hair, blue eyes. That's a nice, easy one. You said scheming. Yeah? Correct me? Scheming. I was just trying to sympathize with, with Scott. I was just <laughs> trying to say that. that you know, there, I hope you were joking. Well be, I'm sorry? I hope you were joking. about who's, All right, what race schemes more than another by genetic, due to genetics? Well, no, and it, it's purely conjecture. I, I can't say, but I, I'd be willing to, to say that there is probably a propensity for one race to scheme more than another, or one, one so race... So can you back that up with right. anything? You're speculating. You, you, right. You, you've, you've said that this is a hill you don't want to die on. My question is, why do you even mount this hill? Because if you were to get to the point where you can actually do the science to find out whether or not you're right, okay, that there is, in fact, a race of people that schemes more than others, or a race of people that's better at math than others, or a race of people that is uh, not as smart but can run fast and jump jump high if you could come up with some science for this because you would talk be talking about a multi-generational study that spanned the globe by that time um you know uh, communication and transportation would have uh, increased to the point that now the races are that much more mixed so you'd have to start all over with your science again and uh, find out which races can jump higher and which races are, are better schemers at math and find out that matters. all of this crap i mean this is like it's pointless because it's still not true even if it's true, even if what you're saying is true, it's not true for the individual. I might I be agree a, with you there. So, so, what, the yeah, right. so what is so the what point I, of even arguing it? Like you said, you're climbing the hill that you say right. you don't want to die on. So here you get crucified. Why? I'm bringing a hammer. What is it? What because is the I'm, point that I'm you want? Tra- I'm trying to empathize with Scott, and I, I see where he's coming from. And I see, but what he needs to realize is that there's greater variance within the groups than there is between the groups. Do you, you understand? Well, that what, much I, I can agree that? with you. Right, and, and there's so fat that's, people. That's why individuals <laughs> should matter instead of grouping people. There are fat people in every group, and there are skinny people in every group, and they're and, good runners, and they're not right. so great runners. And, and, and race is this big giant category. There, there smart are people, there and are dumb black people. people that have more genetic material that they share with me than they do with other people from the same sub-Saharan area. I mean, there are black people that share more genetic material with me than they do with other black people. So you can't use these uh, sort of hereditary arguments because they're not of any use until you start actually going into the genetic material of people. You can't look and say, 
that person's black, I can make a generalization because your generalization is wrong. And, and so much of it is, you know, because generally, you know, races are, in fact, uh, within a certain culture because of where they're located, who they were, how they were raised, the school system they were brought up in. I mean, there's a massive amount of indoctrination in any particular school system that, t- that directs people in a certain way. I mean, I would look and say government people are more scheming than people who are anti-government. I might say something like that, and there would be some basis for the culture and what people are taught, like, all through their lives – to, to explain that, but to the, but to make this reach that there's a genetic component to that, is it possible? Remotely possible, perhaps, but is it useful? I don't see no. any evidence for it whatsoever. Not only is there no right. evidence, but it's not also completely useless beyond just putting you in the same category as uh, as as open which, I, which I'm against doing anyway I mean there might be you know there's uh, I, I any any and any one person is is worthy of being judged on their own merits regardless right Even so what there good is, is a it? tendency right so what good is it if you meet in. somebody brand new for the first time and they're Asian what what good does it do to you to tell yourself something like well He's probably better at math than I am. I bet you he knows judo. You know, I mean, what, what, <laughs> that, that doesn't do you any good. It, 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 it's a preconception that could be is likely completely false. Maybe it's true, but it doesn't it doesn't do you any good until you get to know the person, until you know as, what they're as, like as an individual. Uh, especially, and those things are like harmless things anyway. Say, well, if someone's good at math, or you know, if you assume someone's good at math. You know, it's uh, not versus. Well, I'm just saying versus using it as an excuse to hate people the way Scott the bigot does. If you, if I somebody's mean, good at math, other people are bad at math. So if if Chinese if, if Asian people are good at math, black people are dumb. Okay, because I mean that's the ne- that's the ver- that's that same step, and it is uh it it, it 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 it's it's a terrible ugly generalization. Terrible. Well, well, the point is that the race differences by Scott the bigot is his motivation. That's his inspiration to hate people. And that's what's so horrible about it. Right. The ignorance. Yeah. I mean, so if you say we're sensitive to it, I I would say if someone is using race as an excuse to hate people, then I'm going to be really sensitive. I'm extra sensitive to it. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I agree with you, Dale. And I'm also extra sensitive to it because this free talk live. Yes, we'll take calls from anybody, even people like Scott the Bigot. But But bigots love to call radio shows. uh, And it doesn't mean (laughs) that we're just going to sit by and uh, and and nod our heads and say, okay, thanks for your call. Uh, No, we're going to call them out. We're going to challenge it because this is one of the most detrimental viewpoints that I think a person can have, and it deserves to be challenged and challenged hard. How's that hill doing for you over there, Conrad? <laughs> you know, I guess the all I could say is, you know, you guys seem to let the conspiracy theorists buy. How long have you been listening? What are you talking about? <laughs> Every time a conspiracy kook calls in, we ask them the same questions, and we hit them with, uh, you know, pointing out that uh, what they're talking about is is you know, usually ludicrous, and that if they'll, they'll call in about some absurdities of dumping chemicals on people, poisoning water supplies, mind Again, without control, any substance to right, back all up. kinds of silly nonsense. So I'm sorry, maybe you're just uh, more sensitive to one thing than another, Conrad. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800. Two five nine ninety two thirty one. We've spent I, segments with the conspiracy guys before too. Oh, and they uh, ran them through the ringers. I just it, to me, it sounds to me like you know has he been listening? If he's to say something like that, and uh, a we conspiracy get calls from conspiracy theorists say, why are you so hard on conspiracy theorists? Yeah, and I th- also I don't think the conspiracy theorists are quite as detrimental to the liberty movement. I'm not saying they're not detrimental to the liberty movement. Um, some no, they're not some as more, dangerous, some, but they're not as dangerous. What was the first thing that they hit Ron Paul with? 
some racist. You know, yeah, they, they hit him with racist. They found some, uh, you know, that, that some newspaper that he was involved with that uh, somebody else had written an article that, um, you know, that, that 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 had racist, you know, overtones to it. And they slapped him with that. They painted him and they knocked him down with that. It's the first thing that they do to liberty movement people. It's um, and it's you know, if you if you talk about race like this, you don't love liberty. You hate it. I'm willing to associate with people who are crazy. You know, that, that have crazy beliefs, like, you know, believing in some crazy conspiracy theory, but not necessarily, I don't want to associate with people that no, are I can't. I can't tell already. All right, there's more coming up here at 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Do you remember the old Libertarian Party back when it was centered around the non-aggression principle? The LP used to serve as an educational vehicle, turning the public on to liberty through the electoral process and bringing activists together to further their own understanding of the philosophy. It was also the main feeder organization for the larger movement. We want to bring that LP back. Join the libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party and help restore the party of principle. Visit TakeBackTheLP.info. That's TakeBackTheLP.info. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Features including our bulletin board system. Over 500,000 posts await you. You can go and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Another feature of uh, freetalklive.com is gold.freetalklive.com, where you will find some really great prices on gold and silver. I'm not going to make the superlative statement like these are the best prices on gold and silver on the Internet because it's, well, I can't check everywhere. Uh, but, But there's some darn good prices that you should check before you make any purchases on gold and silver coins. And if you're not um, thinking about making purchases on gold and silver coins, I can I tell you to consider it because, well, the dollar is going uh, going down the crapper. So the best way to protect your you know, the money that you've got is uh, by going to gold.freetalklive.com, loading up on some gold and silver. You should get about 20 or 25 coins um, because the shipping's the same on one as it is at 25. Gold.freetalklive.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls about what you want. Let's talk to Jeremy in Rhode Island. Jeremy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey. Um, hey I just want to chip in um, quick about the whole Scott the Bigot thing. Sure. Um, I find his calls, calls pretty darn funny. Um, they're definitely obnoxious and 100% wrong. Yeah. But they're so absurd that I do get some, you know, laughs out of it. Um, him and Tom in New Hampshire. <laughs> but I actually didn't call about that. Um, Guess who's coming up next, as a matter of fact. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I was watching the news, and up in Maine, they have a toll booth. And I guess they built it on some sort of wetland, so Uh it's sinking. And they can either spend at least $12 million to fix the current one or build another one somewhere else where they were going to use eminent domain to steal people's houses to do it. Um, It's a toll booth. How does that take $12 million? Only a government could make a toll booth cost toll booth cost $12 million. Point of clarification. Are we talking about one toll booth, or are we talking about a four, eight-lane stretch of multiple toll booths? Probably like eight-lane okay. stretch of toll booths. So you're talking about an entire installation, an entire toll booth installation. 
Yeah. Still, I agree with you. It's far too much. Yeah. I mean, I would think that there's probably something where they have to jack down to uh, or drill down and put in supports to solid, so some solid earth that, you know, at some some point deep down to support them or something, keep them from sinking any further is my guess. And that should not cost $12 million. No, that should cost like maybe $2 million or $3 million or something. It's just, uh, it, it seems awfully excessive to me. Well, that's how the government works. I mean, if you if you if you were to uh, you know bid out contractors or something like that, you'd probably come up with you know a, ha- a third to a half the the rate that uh, that that they do. And um, don't worry, this is going to come in over budget, and you're probably not never not ever going to hear about it anyway. So um, um, that's that's the government's that's that's their gig. Yeah, but if yeah, they, they took just, bids, then and they wouldn't necessarily get to reward their buddies. Yeah, it's all de- all kinds of deals are being made with the people that help them get elected. You know, you get to buy uh, you get to buy lots of tax money with lobbying money. It's like a, a an excellent ratio for the investment. You know, you can spend yep. like a tiny little in, insignificant fraction of what you'll get back in terms of big deals on projects like that and things like that. So it's a very good yeah. investment as long as that as long as violence is available to you and as long as it it's it's got that veneer of legitimacy. Then it will it will blow away market alternatives that would actually be based on reality. So well, I also found out something else, which their state reps, once they've served, they get lifetime health benefits, and while wow. they serve, their whole family gets health benefits. Well, that's crazy. And we're we're talking like Cadillac health coverage kind of stuff too. Yeah, that's a that's a stark difference between there in uh, New New Hampshire, where the state reps get a hundred bucks a year. Um, I actually had a question for Mark, too, while I'm on the line. Okay, go right um, ahead. During a podcast with that um, bigoted pro-war supporter. Yes, uh, um, Andrew, Andrew you Hemingway. you like the state of Israel. What's that? Uh, you said uh, you like the state of Israel. I You're t- saying more than Palestine. Now, do you mean... Like the state of Israel, the people in Israel, and the buildings, and the atmosphere? Well, I, as I've stated on the show many times, I'm sort of this ethnic conservative. You know, um, I've, everybody's got one side or the – well, I guess not everybody. Some people have one side or the other their family's big on, and they have a tendency to sort of default to that position. Do you understand? Well, uh, okay, I, I'm having a hard time because I, I really dislike the government in Israel, but I had an ex-girlfriend who was straight from Israel, mm-hmm. and – her family was awesome, really cool people, and, you know, so I, I like the, the, the heritage, the people, but what their government does seems really bad. Yeah, and I, if, I, I, if I lived there, I wouldn't be okay with what they do. The more I find out about it, the less I like it, but that's true with any government. Um, and, you know, like, the, you've... I, I, so I you're guess, saying you like the state, as in the government of Israel. Well, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is is that people have uh, more and less... Listening to Ian, I hate it when he does this. Um, people have I'm more just restating what, uh, what and he less just said. Uh, sort of uh, connectivity to different countries and their flags and whatever it is that they like for whatever reason, right? In general? Um, is this a generally true statement? I don't know if there's necessarily reason beyond it. What What do you like about the government of Israel, Mark? I, I, I you know, I, I like, like that the they're... like the concentration camps, or... I like I that mean, they're... Pro- I, I like that they're uh, giving a certain group of people that, uh, you know, have had a lot of trouble in life, uh, you know, a good place to... a good, safe place to be. However, they have, have turned sort of into doing some of the things that they were trying to escape 60 years ago. 
So you, know what I'm you like that they're doing what exactly? I, mean, How is I, mean, it I kind of like the colors, eat? Ian. Like they got a neat star on their flag. That's I'm true. interested in it. Okay. You know, that's all. That's I was all. there. It was cool. So, so, Mark, at what point do Arabs become protected peoples? I mean, we've got What's two that? wars of aggression where millions of people have died. And even before that, we had um, an embargo done by the U.S. government. By we, Ian, I mean, you know, the, the violent men and women in the U.S. government. Um, causing Iraqi people to die. Um, lots of people in Palestine have died for Arab. Not a whole lot of uh, ethnic uh, Jews in that area. So at what point do we start to feel bad for the Arabs and not you, like the state of Israel? Do you think I don't feel bad for the Arabs and how the state of Israel is treating them? Did, did, I mean, I'm, did I I don't know. That way? Like I'm sure it's a great Israel. vacation spot. If I I've lived seen. over there, I would be in arms. It's it's sick. Like it's, if I lived you're in taking one country, statement. I'd go right to Israel. I'd be fighting with them, man. Dude, you, you're taking one statement I made in a 40-minute interview, and you're concentrating on it. I think I made it very clear that I'm against war and aggression from governments all across the board. If I didn't make that clear to you, I would like to make that clear now. But you like the government of Israel. I happen, yeah, like I like it a little more. It's a police state. Dude, it, it sucks. It's, it's a gang. But it's I a like it a little gang. more. Have, if, have you been to Israel? Have you been no, to Palestine? I've seen video of it. It looks like a great place for, yeah, a, for it's a vacation. Nice. It's nice. Well, why, what, what does that have anything to do with it? Why, why does it being nice have anything to do with the government? If you stayed at a hotel, that doesn't have anything to do with the government. If you enjoyed yourself, it's not likely because of the government. It's all kind of mixed together there for me, you know? Okay. In Governments are thugs, and they hurt people. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and uh, good call. Yeah, 800. picky. 800-259-9231. He called you out, and you deserved it. 1-800-259-9231. Supporting the state. You're an ass. Toll-free numbers, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. I didn't call you an ass when you called me out earlier tonight, Mark. Shame on you. I'm not being called free out. Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Features including archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are yours right there on the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. Why would you want anything other than the best when it comes to personal protection? If you go to uh, tiger.freetalklive.com, you can save up you can save up to $100 on a Tiger Light T100 non-lethal self-defense system. It's proven to be the most effective, most effective non-lethal personal protection device in the world. Go check it out at tiger.freetalklive.com. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. Back to your phone calls and the fun. We go to Tom in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Yeah, good evening. I wanted to tell everybody, they printed my letter in the paper today, and it's about the earthquake in Haiti. Okay, what about it? Well, uh, maybe the earthquake would not have killed so many people 
if they had sturdier buildings, and maybe they'd have sturdier buildings if they had more money, and maybe they'd have more money if law enforcement officers in the United States had not been deporting their breadwinners all these years. Uh, the next paragraph says that most evils in the world can be traced to law enforcement officers. However, if you helped to elect candidates who oppose open borders, then the blood of thousands of Haitians is on your hands, too. Because they otherwise could have escaped from Haiti and come here and made a better life for themselves. Yeah, kind of like the Holocaust victims uh, who were turned away in, in Germany, who were not just the ones who were turned away, but all the people who would have seen that exit route and used it if it had not been blocked mm. on the outside. Yeah, and you see, it's, it's a powerful to point. Master the technique of, uh, you know. Get, getting away from what should the government be doing more. You've got to train people who, who are thinking of, oh, the United States should give these Haitian people more money and print more green cards. How about lay off some Border Patrol agents? You know, and see, if, yeah. if they lay off all the Border Patrol agents, nobody needs a green card in the first place. Always trace it back to the gun-toting goons in bulletproof vests that are the root cause of the problem. And then... Uh, Speak of how what the government is doing wrong that it should stop doing wrong, and also uh, you got to tell the liberals what we libertarian extremists are going to do to help them. By you know they're going to love it the way that libertarians are going to sock the rich by taking away like the requirement to have a, a license for a casino. The rich people who have these special licenses and they get to make all this money on the winning side of the table suddenly have all the casinos, uh, you know, in people's houses, just all in, in the local neighborhood. Somebody just buys a house on the market and opens a casino, then people stop coming to the, the big fancy casino. That and that's in all kinds of industries as well. I mean, all across the board, there's all kinds of industries where yep. they're getting more and more monopolized because of all the restrictions that are being put into place so that small businesses just can't compete with them. Right. Then somebody could come here from another country with not a whole lot of money, get established, work here for a little while, and, and immediately start their own business rather than having to earn hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the licensing and all the mandated things that they might be uh, forced to get. Tom, you're batting a 1000 tonight. This is a really good call on your part. Yeah, that, that's because I'm so smart. You just, you just didn't know it, but we Orthodox libertarian extremists are morally and intellectually vastly superior to the ignorant masses. Well, no, you just <laughs> lost a few points go. there. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine. Yeah, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So, but generally, before the last statement, uh, was a very good call in that he's right. Uh, if this country didn't, this government didn't have these. Laws that uh, these these enforcers that are preventing people from coming here to make a better life for themselves, then we'd have not only would we have a better economy, as you were pointing out earlier uh, tonight, Mark, but those folks wouldn't have wouldn't have been down there for uh, that and living in that hellhole. They could have just gotten out. Same right. thing with the Cubans. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it bears re-explaining what you had just said is there was a ship load of Jews that yeah. attempt, attempted to escape. At least one. Germany. Yeah, at least one. This is the ones that just got on the ship, the ones that would have liked to have followed if this would have been successful, that went from country, free Western country to free Western country and were turned away, including the United States of America. They said, no, you're not allowed to come in. And they ended up going back to Germany and Being a great slaughtered. portion of them died. Now... If you're not telling me that the uh, the, the the people that uh, allowed that sort of governmental um, 
immigration apparatus to turn those Jews around aren't responsible, don't have blood blood on their mm-hmm. hands. You're, I'm afraid you're just not being very intellectually honest. Yep. It's the same kind of xenophobia that kills, uh, you know, that sends Jews to the gas chamber. Sorry. You don't have to like it. It's just true. Let's continue with Christopher in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Christopher. Christopher in Canada. He's gone. All right, 800-259-9231. So I mentioned there's big news in the radio business tonight. And uh, I'll share it with you because it's going to it's going to be good news I think for Free Talk Live. Airamerica.com. There's the statement from the front page of their website. It this is, is Air America 2.0, right? Yeah, they already had bankruptcy once. Yeah. Uh, It is with the greatest regret on behalf of our board that we must announce that Air America Media is ceasing its live programming operations as of this afternoon. Yeah, they tried to to bring Montel Williams on and uh, see what that would do as far as ratings, and it it wasn't a terrible show, but it apparently didn't turn it around quickly enough. And the company will file soon under Chapter 7 of the Bankruptcy Code to carry out an orderly winding down of the business. The very difficult economic environment has had a significant impact on Air America's business. This past year has seen a perfect storm in the media industry generally. I can tell you that I used to listen to Air America to do the sort of uh, what we call monitor um, in the business, which means that I listen for their commercials. You want to headhunt their advertising. And then I (laughs) I cherry pick the ones that I want. And I I had gotten to the point, I think a year ago, where I stopped listening to Air America because I was just sick and tired of all the per-inquiry ads that uh, I would end up. Explain what that means. Um, what that means is, is these are advertisers that say, uh, "We'll, we'll let. Well, here's an ad, and you know, if we sell some product, we'll give you a cut. You know, it's kind of the, it's kind of the internet model. Um, you know, rev share or something like that is what they revenue share. Is you have what to trust them to honestly give you well, a cut. Yeah, that's that's your thing. I think that <laughs> many of them um, are trustworthy, but I, you know, I just don't. Um, you, the reason that they don't buy ads is because, you know, these particular products don't buy ads is because ads don't work that well for them. So so they're, you yeah. know, it's much better for them to do freebies and then, uh, you know, only pay for what uh, they get back. And, uh, you know, it uh, just that, that that would be my immediate impression is, you know, if you're confident in your product, you know, and, and it's 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 you have to sell your product. I mean, you can get the space and everything, but you need to. Yeah, well, uh, the, the biggest problem with it is, is if let's say it's Firestone tires, uh, you know, ca- call in with Free Talk Live, use FTL, and um, then they'll then they'll cut us back ten bucks on every tire. Well, that doesn't what that doesn't change, and it's not Firestone tires. I've never heard this. I'm just using them as an example. Um, what that doesn't change is that when you hear the ad, it, it imprints Firestone on your on your brain. If I play that ad a hundred times, I've imprinted it on your brain a hundred times. So if you go out and say, oh yeah, um, you go to the car uh, dealer place and say, put some Firestones on, that mm. doesn't pay me. Right, and they may not impr- remember yeah. that that code thing that would actually get you. And the they wouldn't payback. do that. Any, you know, some people just don't use coupon codes, and yeah. um, so it doesn't pay me for what my real job is, which is branding. So we'd be yeah. branding that company or that product and getting paid nothing for it, unless they happen to make a sale that they felt like paying us for. You're saying they're yeah. trustworthy, but you just have to believe them well, when they say th- we've th- had one call this month. Well, it has to you go know? through their process, and if yeah. if the and, and that's you can't you can't do that to consumers you can't say to a consumer you must consume in this fashion um, because consumers consume in a a whole bevy of different ways but i the advertiser only get paid on one way that consumer consumes so you were saying mark that you were listening to the air america i stopped listening 
<laughs> and you heard a lot of those kind of yeah. commercials. I knew it was over for them because they. I just. I. I mm. figured they were either getting. Um, are they running ad council spots too? Yeah. Well, I, not that much. Not, no? not not that much from the ad council. No, they were they, they were using all their airtime for PIs, which is an even more desperate move. Per inquiry. Yeah. Uh, per inquiry ads and um or actually I should be saying revenue share because most of them were in fact revenue share. Uh, but I was figuring they were getting propped up by you know the Democratic National Convention or something. I figured that's where their money was coming from. Well, we know somebody came in and rescued them the first time. They had a, a bankruptcy a few years ago. A few years ago, they actually only started in 2004. In fact, there's a little bit more to uh, what they have to say for themselves, and we'll talk about why this is good news for Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, the website, enjoy it, it's on us. If you like the show, however, we ask for your voluntary support. You can go to amp.freetalklive.com to become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the program, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. And you get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only forum, AMP-only podcast. Get all the details, get signed up, any major credit card, PayPal, some alternative options. It's all there for you at amp.freetalklive.com. We're talking about the the, the business here, as we do sometimes on this program, give you a little behind the scenes as to what's going on in uh, in our radio industry People uh, may be aware that there's a company called Air America that uh, was kind of known fairly popularly for providing what they call progressive talk radio. And it was one of the first uh, major purveyors of the progressive band of talk or brand of talk. And of course, progressive is just another label for socialist. It's, uh, you know, the new term for, for socialist. And so they've gone out of business and there's a post up on their website at airamerica.com. Just all of a sudden this afternoon, the news came out. It hit uh, hit the industry this afternoon, and well, well, give me let me get back to this. It's by whoever it is. It's not even signed. It just says, <laughs> uh, on behalf of our board, we must announce that uh, it's ceasing their live programming. And so they say that national and local advertising revenues have fallen drastically uh, in the past year, causing many media companies nationwide to fold or seek bankruptcy protection. From large to small, recent bankruptcies like Citadel Broadcasting and closures like that of the industry's longtime trade publication, Radio and Records, have signaled that these are very difficult and rapidly changing times. Indeed. Those companies that remain are facing audience fragmentation as a result of new media technologies, are often saddled with crushing debt, and have generally found it difficult to obtain operating or investment capital from traditional sources of funding. In this climate, our painstaking search for new investors has come close several times right up into this week, but ultimately fell short of success. With radio industry ad revenues down for 10 consecutive quarters and reportedly off 21% in 2009, signs of improvement have consisted of hoping things will be less bad. And though Internet new media revenues are projected to grow, our expanding online efforts face the same monetization and profitability challenges in the short term confronting the web operations of most media companies. You know, um, and this is something that, uh, you know, the the industry, the the talk radio industry, the radio industry, it um, has had, you know, fat times and lean times, and they've kind of, 
you know, it's it's a very em, uh, employee uh, intensive business model. Whereas Free Talk Live, we've managed to make it happen here with basically two guys. And, you know, we have some co-hosts like you, Dale. I don't want to diminish your, your work. But, I mean, you don't spend day in and day out working on Free Talk Live. Right. Um, and we also don't spend any money on our wonderful co-hosts either. They come in and they do the show because mm-hmm. it's fun and they enjoy it. And maybe they get a plug for their website like anarchyinyourhead.com. Right. That's Dale's website. <laughs> so, um, But the show has basically been built by myself and the sales side of the show has been built by you. Yeah, well, I was just thinking that, you know, Free Talk Live may very well represent the leading edge of what's going to come in and replace these, these behemoths. That's what they are. You and know? that's what I wanted to point out about this. I, I, am I interrupting you, though? Yeah, well, there's I just, so much risk at, at tied to this, to this, to what they are trying to do, and especially when there's so much choice out there and the Internet is offering choice for people, and, and that's very appealing. So they're, they're really competing with, uh, with a lot. And and you can, what you can see, uh, sort of you know, going on in the ra- the radio world is there's a there's a big change to spoken word uh, format. You'll even find e- younger and younger people that want the spoken word format, and that's what Free Talk Live is. We're speaking, and that's our format. <laughs> um, yep. So you know that uh, music radio is getting tired and old. I mean, why would you listen to uh, oldies ninety uh, five when you could listen, in fact, to Pandora and hear an ad once you know once every fifteen minutes or once every, um, you know, a short ad once every half hour or something like that instead of listening to 12 minutes of ads on, uh, admittedly, or if you're, or if you're local music, ads, but go ahead. And if you're listening to music, you can have your own playlist crammed into a tiny little thing yeah. the size of a, a ring. Right, right. even more you know? so, yeah. Um, you're your own program you're talking, director. Right, with with, uh, with uh, MP3s and things like that. So, I mean, there's lots of reasons why music radio is, is dying a slow and, and loud death. <laughs> um, you know, to, and, but radio stations don't have to deal with that, they can take the spoken word format, and I think that their commercial model will continue for decades, I don't know how many decades, but it will continue to provide people with probably the best talk um, talkers out there, because it doesn't matter what... Um, it doesn't matter what you're talking about or how good you are. You still have to go to the potty. And um, so there's going to be breaks in talk radio and it doesn't, you know, um, the, the commercial, the commercialization of talk radio exists on Sirius. It exists in uh, the the world of uh, live streams and it exists in radio. And it works because uh, it's easier to it's easier to integrate commercials into the talk format as opposed to breaking up music yeah. with talking commercials yeah. uh you you've got talk on the air all the time and yeah. then you know if you've got endorsements and things like that it makes them all the all the more powerful so the uh, the uh, the essay over at airamerica.com blathers on about how uh you know, they launched these shows, Rachel Maddow, et cetera, et cetera. And pretty much uh, they, they, their talent, they, you know, to, to their credit, they have launched some talent that is, is very successful now in the progressive side of uh, the talk radio business. But they all left Air America because they, I think they realized it was a sinking ship. Uh, it, they continue by saying laws have changed for the better thanks to this revival because they, you know, they're patting themselves on the back for helping get uh, Barack Obama elected and whatever other political uh, things that they believe that they helped with. Uh, so laws have changed for the better thanks to this revival, but I love this next line. Wait, wait, uh, oh, it's, b- Bush you... helped get Obama elected more than anything. <laughs> right, <laughs> Come I agree. On. I agree with that completely. <laughs> so they can claim the victory on Obama, but um, it's interesting as far as the timing goes here that they, they are laid to rest, what, a day or two after the Brown victory in, in Massachusetts, which I know the Republicans are doing backflips over. They're so excited about it. So, hmm, interesting. I'd say that's nothing more than a coincidence. That's well, just an election. But it, anyway, it's, it's the same with the Obama thing. I didn't even know about that race. 
race until someone Facebooked it after yeah. after he won. I'm like, oh, there's someone named Brown running in Massachusetts. Interesting. The, the idea <laughs> in general that talk radio has any kind of significant effect on the political scene in America, I think, is kind of silly. I don't. I disagree entirely. I think that the Republican uh, propaganda machine that exists on talk radio is extraordinarily powerful. It's so powerful the Democrats understand that and want to make it stop very, very badly. Says laws have changed for the better thanks to this revival, but all the same, our company cannot escape. Wait, 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 wait. Do you think that Free Talk Live isn't effective in changing people's hearts and minds? Oh, I think that's the case, but I don't think it's changing anything about politics, and I don't think in general... Well, it's not meant to. I don't think in general... I don't think even if you mean to change things about politics that you'll have much success... Because you're being listened to by a variety of different people who all have different opinions. Well, they, so. they have success if you if you judge success by some really screwed up parameters. You know, getting Republicans elected, even though it doesn't actually change anything for the better. Well, but if I mean, talk radio so was so sense, successful, successful at that, at that but, you know. but they got Democrats elected back in whatever the heck it was, 2006. Well, no, Republicans eight. screwing up got Democrats right. elected. Right, this is the same point. But it's, I'm, it's, what I'm trying to tell you is that the talk radio power isn't there. It's just it is it's there. completely it is, irrelevant. It's just being wasted. Oh, it irrelevant. is irrelevant. It's irrelevant because it's being wasted on something that's really trivial, which is getting Republicans reelected. That's a the, good point. They will swing the You're right. They about will that. swing the pendulum back faster because of talk radio. I, I believe you, Mark. I think that, yeah. that it is powerful. Is, it, it but it's make power, sense. It's, it's powerful think? in a way that is, you know, if if you understand the nature of politics, you realize it doesn't matter whether Republicans or Democrats are in there. Can radio advertising so. get some people that wouldn't buy a product to buy that product? Sure, I Can guess. radio talk show hosts get some people who wouldn't vote Republican to vote Republican? As much as any other show can get someone who would vote but Republican to vote Republican. there are more shows out there that are Republican, I right? Think more than that, they get they just get the existing Republicans that already agree with them fired up. Oh, and yeah. get them active and, and, and pounding active on doors and working on campaigns mm-hmm. and running for office and, and getting out their vote when they otherwise might have just sat at home. I mean, I know there's like there was a running joke when I was still a Republican that, you know, if there was a flood, the Republicans would put on scuba gear to get to the voting to the polls yeah and that's why they always say you know that republicans vote for or, or sorry they don't vote they say republicans pray for rain on election day yes. because they know that a lot of democrats will be like eh i don't want to go to the yep. look i know that uh, the republican talk show hosts and any talk show host out there would love to pat themselves on the back to believe that they affected some sort of an election in a way that was significant and uh, i just i just don't believe it i think it's, elections, it's nonsense but, 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 I, you're wrong though i mean um, elections are decided by a small percentage um, so, I mean, you know, this Brown election, uh, this Brown and Coakley election, it was 6% and they called it a landslide. I mean, that's it, 3% of the people that voted changed their opinion. Um, uh, you know, it would have been huge. So, yeah, it, it absolutely works. It only has to work on a small percentage of the population in order to change things. Yeah, I, I just think that what you're dealing with is, uh, like Dale was talking about, a group of people that is self-selected by the nature of what your program is. So Republicans are, are going to listen to this show. Program. Are the people that listen to this show self-selected? Because the guy called in a little earlier and said he came from the socialist paradigm. I'm making but now a general in, statement about the audience. But it's not about generalities, those. dude. It's about everybody's vote and a small percentage of people that make the decision. If, the, you're if just these wrong. talk radio shows were so powerful, then you'd see Republicans winning all over the place, and you don't see that. But there are Democrats out there, too, and the Republicans oh, okay, screwed so up really bad. Out, no, so it's it doesn't not. make There's a not damn bit of difference. Hour no, three's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? 
not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And uh, we, we were going to... We were talking about the death of Air America. They announced that they're going out of business today and they'd be off the air by Monday night. And there's a little bit more. You guys, uh, we got really distracted with uh, a a discussion. It was really more of an argument. But we got distracted and I never got to the best line in the entire entire we're going out of business post over at airamerica.com. So we'll get to that. But first, let's go to Christopher, who is back with us in Canada. Christopher, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how's it going? This is Chris. What's on your mind tonight, Chris? Not so much. I'm an ex-Canadian military sergeant, and I want to tell you about uh, what's actually going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. Okay, right. go for it. Um, for four years, I served as a sergeant. Well, not as a sergeant. I had to work my way up, obviously. But uh, for the last remaining years of my military career, I did a lot of special operations in both Afghanistan and Iraq. And I want to tell you guys firsthand that all your soldiers are doing is protecting heroin and marijuana. Protecting it? In what way? Yes. It's like, um, okay, your governments obviously want it for medical purposes, right, to make money off it, do they not? You know, for like uh, morphine and other various opiates that are made to, you know, yeah. basically keep housewives high in like Ohio somewhere. Well, I mean, um, uh, there, there are lots of good uses for, for opiates. Well, that's true. That's true for the, for the depressed people out there who, you know, feel shitty about their oh, lives. Oh, we've got to let you go. Thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. This is like a sergeant. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So what he was suggesting was that uh, before he let out the S bomb, uh, what he was suggesting was that the government's role in Iraq, Afghanistan, or Afghanistan specifically, is to protect drug growing. And eh, well, I don't know. I, I mean, there, there, there's probably something to that. I don't know if I'd say that's the only reason they're out yeah, there. I'm sure some there's a lot of other very horrible things that they're out there for. Yeah, so. I think you I think you're right about that, Dale. I mean some established control over the whole area. Control and of course based Probably. on the oil resources and things like that. But opiates are a legitimate resource to protect as well. Uh so that could certainly be a factor. Yeah. And we've seen the pictures. We know that there are fields and fields and uh, fields of uh poppies and, I think that the, and marijuana plants. I think probably the, the largest reason why the United States military is, is in Afghanistan and increasing um its work in Afghanistan is 
is because Barack Obama has married himself to this war. He called uh, Iraq the wrong war, which um, he has slated to move the troops out, but not until like the last month of his uh, <laughs> his first uh, term. How convenient. <laughs> yeah, how interesting. He, he, that way he can foist it off on the, the Republican. Whatever goes wrong is the Republican's problem um, or you know his second term, and God knows what he'll do at that point. And it doesn't matter because he won't get reelected after his second term. Anyway, so you know, it's, it's an adroit political move. Um, however, in Afghanistan, he has to win that one because he said during his campaign that that was the good war. Well, as long as there is a good war for the president, that means that the military-industrial complex will be happy too. That's right. another good reason to, right. for their which, from their perspective to which be means over there. more good campaign contributions, um, you know, for the the politicians, and you know that that, that it's a, it's a huge portion of where campaign contributions come from is the military industrial complex if you make things that go boom and the people that get to decide whether you use the things that go boom don't want make don't want things to go boom and kill people then you're not going to be selling much stuff and the only people that can fight war are governments so therefore the only customers of the military industrial complex are the governments and specifically the government of the United States of America. So the only, it, to me, it doesn't matter which of these reasons is more uh, motivating to the government people than others. I don't know. We can speculate about that. It doesn't matter. What matters to me is that it's war and I'm against it. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231 and I don't want to pay for it. So we were talking about uh, Air America going out of business. Uh, they've got an announcement up. At, uh, the, the news hit the radio industry big this afternoon. They're going out of business. They've already been bankrupted once. Somebody came in at the last minute and rescued them with millions of dollars and now they're bankrupt again. Uh, so they're, they couldn't find anybody to rescue them a second time. And What's, what's the great quote? Well, okay, let me, I'm just recapping here okay. for those who are uh, just tuning in. I was excited. I'm sorry. Uh, calm down. I know. You had too much caffeine today. So It's nice. Just uh, share my medical conditions with everybody, why don't you? So, uh, <laughs> so the, the story on their website say bemoaning the radio industry and how the advertising revenue is down. And, uh, but they're talking about how – now, I guess I'll share this part where they're bragging about what they accomplished – when Air America Radio launched in April of 2004 with already known personalities like Al Franken, who is no longer in radio, and then Senator unknown future air. stars like Rachel Maddow, it was only full-time. It was the only full-time progressive voice in the mainstream broadcast media world at a critical time in our nation's history when dissent on issues such as the Iraq War were often denounced as un-American. Air America and its talented team helped millions of Americans remember the importance of compelling. Dis- Discussion about the most pivotal events and decisions of our generation. The uh, um, the the twenty four seven content that they're talking about there was what killed Air America in the first in the first place and the second place. If they would uh, have put out some good shows and then just filled or whatever they did in the rest of their time, just provided some good shows. I don't think they were twenty four seven. It's close to that. I mean, they were running twenty four seven, but they didn't have live programming twenty four seven. Pretty close. They had they had uh, you know they they were putting live hosts on the evening and things like that and yeah. that's generally you know well what killed Air America was uh, bad business uh, just a bad way of running business as, that's da- the start. as Dale was pointing out uh, the the debt load that the that these companies have I mean they they go significantly into debt and you're talking about starting small which you wouldn't have as much debt if you were going to get into debt Free Talk Live doesn't have any debt we're completely uh, in the the black. And uh, we're, we're profitable. So we don't have this risk of uh, creditors trying to cash You're in on us. You're keeping your overhead way down. I mean, right. compared to the, most of these places. And 
And so, and then built, you know, starting small and building up and building up and you've built up so much over the years that, yeah, now you're in great shape. So. Exactly. So we stand to uh, benefit from the failure of Air America, as they point out here, through some 100 radio outlets nationwide. Air America helped build a new sense of purpose and determination among American progressives. With this revival, the progressive movement made major gains in the 2006 midterm elections, and more recently in the election of President Barack Obama and a strongly Democratic Congress. So they got a hundred radio outlets, which means that there are a hundred stations out there right now that are desperately searching for audio content to put on the air for Monday stations. for Monday night. Now that might be a hundred over the five years they've been in existence. I don't know if it's a hundred at right. this moment. Right. In time. That is, this is one of you know this is one of the most evil tricks that is uh, perpetrated by the talk radio industry, and it may be done other syndicated uh, industries. It must be right. Is every time they add a station, they'll add a station to their list. Every time they lose a station, they forget about taking it off. Yeah. And they they choose not to take it off. So every station that's ever well. Uh, many of these lists will include every station that's ever carried the show, and I, you know, it, it's lying to your listeners, it's lying to your advertisers, it's lying to everyone, and it's wrong. So they say laws have changed for the better thanks to this revival, but all the same, our company cannot escape the laws of economics. And for me, that was the uh, the, the the best line in the entire uh, <laughs> the entire article. Because really, it's it's kind of a microcosm of what's going to happen to the government, the, the federal government. Uh, eventually, they're not going to be able to escape the laws of, oh, uh, yeah. of economics. And uh, it's all the house of cards known as the federal it's, government is going to come crashing down, too. It is going to come down. And, and whether or not something else just comes back up in its place uh, that's, that's you know going to quickly become as bad or worse – or whether or not how something would they do better it? takes its place. I think about that. It would though. be I mean, very hard. They... I think it's uh, that, that's just it. I think um, I think that 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 even that even that would be very short lived at best. Because Look at I the think Soviet Union. I mean, mm-hmm. there hasn't been anything that comes back that has come back in its place, right? Well, I mean, right. Yeah. Pretty much broken I mean, up. Russia's fairly the, uh, influential, but they're they're still broken up. Uh, all those former Soviet states, they're on their own now and they've yeah. been that way since 1989. I mean if the uh, the That's federal government point. folds, good point. who's going to step in well, I and take think... a, take it over? How would they take it over? What would they I don't they... think anything'll get taken over. I mean if they I can see some I can see them trying to build a new structure again, but I think whether that like I don't how many know Americans that are going to want to pay? Though. How many that's right? How many Americans are going to get a, another I think letter from? Are ready to move on. And, that's and, exactly, exactly what I'm saying. I mean, if if the federal government uh, crashes and burns, and some other gang comes in there and somehow takes over the old office buildings and creates the new IRS and sends everybody out, uh, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. income tax. I mean, is that going to work? If it does, it's a real sad statement uh, for the Americans. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything and take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This 
This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up absolutely anything. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And don't forget to join Dale over at his website, anarchyinyourhead.com. You can go there and enjoy hundreds of uh, liberty-oriented, in many cases, comics. Uh, Some of them not so much, but it's all very entertaining at anarchyinyourhead.com. Plus, there are editorials, uh, some essays up there as well and uh, you can even buy anarchy in your head character t-shirts and coffee mugs and stuff like that anarchyinyourhead.com learn about the public policy learn about public policy by interning at state or federal public policy organizations the charles g Koch summer fellowship program includes an opening week-long policy seminar an eight-week paid summer internship and a closing seminar and weekly policy lectures you can choose from 70 different organizations in Washington, D.C. and state policy networks around the country um, and, and think tanks. Be part of a fellowship of motivated, talented individuals seeking to advance liberty and program includes a stipend and housing allowance. Apply by January the 31st. Don't screw around. you got to go to libertarianinternships.com. Sign up for an account there, libertarianinternships.com. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls about what you want. Bile is on the line in New Jersey on the amp line. Hey, Bile. Evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I've got an update about my uh, arrest from back in November. You were arrested outside of a federal courthouse, as I recall, in New York City as you were there to observe a man who was planning on getting arrested that day uh, for doing fully informed jury association outreach, attempting to reach jurors, reach out to jurors and let them know they have the right to vote not guilty uh, in a trial because of their feelings about the law, not just based on whether or not the uh, the law was broken. Uh, of course, people can learn more about that at FIJA.org, F-I-J-A.org is a great uh, organization doing really great work but you were there just as uh, to be the media and to observe as this man uh, went out and did his uh, his act of what is essentially civil disobedience and they decided to arrest you right they um arrested me uh on grounds that i was press and should have known better that uh, it was uh, against the rules to film on federal property Right, because everybody knows what all the rules are. Even the members of the media have spent uh, all the hours necessary to pour over the tomes and tomes of uh, government laws. Uh, of course, it's absurd what they're suggesting, but nonetheless, it didn't stop them from arresting you and uh, you know, pressing some sort of charge. What was the charge they arrested you on? Uh, for filming on federal property. That's it's, what it's uh, called. Okay. I mean, wow. Yeah, it, that's pretty much it. You're not allowed to film on – under these particular regulations, uh, you're not allowed to film – for any reason whatsoever without permission. And if you're doing it commercially, you have to have extra permission. Uh, the only way you can film anything without any sort of permission is like the entrance way of the building mm. for news purposes only. Right. So uh, so the Bill of Rights, uh, Amendment Number 1, Freedom of the Press, that's not uh, permission in their mind. Right. Um, so what happened with but, your trial? So last time I called back in November after I was arrested, I... Uh, Said that I'd, I'm pretty sure I'd brought up that I'd called the uh, or contacted the NYCLU, and uh, they had pretty much told me that uh, since it was a regulation, uh, there was nothing they were gonna, they weren't interested in doing anything about it. It didn't seem to them uh, something worth going after. But a couple weeks later, I got a call randomly from another department in the NYCLU saying, "Oh, they shouldn't have responded. We should have responded. We do photo." Uh, like photographer rights, 
and we might be interested in um, taking up the case. So after talking with them a bit, uh, they ended up uh, agreeing to uh, to represent me, and uh, my court date was uh, this past Tuesday. And uh, we get there at around 9.40, spend uh, a couple minutes talking, get in the building around 10, spend over 20 minutes just getting through security. <laughs> uh, it's like the TSA. And then we, we go up to the, the counter upstairs where you have to check in. Because w- what you end up doing is talking with a, a magistrate or the assistant U.S. attorney, and you sort of bargain. And then if you don't come to an agreement, you know, don't pay the fine or whatever, then you go, you, you'll have a court date scheduled. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, I, so I get there, and the cop doesn't show up. And it wasn't like a oh, I'm not going to go further with this so you could drop it type of showing up. It's He just, out of the blue, didn't show up. So about six people who had shown up, including myself, uh, they rescheduled our uh, court dates <laughs> to, next, to the next uh, next month. And I'm sure they compensated you for your time. It's a trouble. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Okay. Well, the, 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 they, the other people were fuming. Uh, they were quite pissed off. I, I'm pretty flexible in my schedule, so uh, the only thing that I lost was my time. But uh, they obviously had taken off work or yeah. or whatnot. And one of the gentlemen there, who I don't think was directly affected by this, but overheard the, uh, the one of the officers telling the women that you know they would they were rescheduled. Uh, he's like, you know, they should put out a warrant for this cop. You know, if you didn't uh, show up and and didn't give one any give them any notice, then there'd be a bench warrant out for you. He's That's like, right. This is your gut. This is your government. You know, they they at least could be courteous and tell you call, have called you. And he, he was like fuming, just going off the handle. Uh, but the 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 cop that was so that made me feel good. But the uh, the cop who was going around telling people that uh, the other cop wasn't there and it would have to be rescheduled at one point. He said uh, jokingly to the other officer that they should just sort of reschedule everything because they didn't feel like being there, uh, just, you know, screwing over everyone who was going to uh, have shown up that day. Yeah. And then Benny uh, says that they should issue an arrest for uh, or issue a warrant for Julian Hecklin, who was the person that, that I observed being arrested that day in November, mm-hmm. and uh, he had five tickets. And... Rather than the, you know the way he was speaking, he's like, "Well, this guy's got five tickets. Why should we even deal with them five individually? He's like they should just issue a warrant and arrest them." Yep. Wow. Well, that's how it is. They, uh, you know, the different standards, right? Uh, you know, the government people are good, and people that aren't in the government are bad, and that's how it works. So, when has it been rescheduled for? Uh, well, so what ended up happening is we actually did speak with the attorney, um, the the U.S. attorney, and he had uh, said that under what he had understood was that I was warned. So the, the statute says that you have to be warned somehow, either visually, you know, a sign or something, or, or you're supposed to be told. And since the arresting officer even said that uh, he hadn't warned me that this, we should just get this whole thing dismissed because um, they mm-hmm. want to do like a deferred uh, judgment and make it to like 60 days. If I get caught recording on property again, you know, they'll, they'll, prosecute me or something, right. and I'm not interested in that. Uh, so uh, he's like, well, I thought the officer said that you were warned, and I have this on videotape because <laughs> I had a spy cam on me. Excellent. That, 
obviously he didn't tell me. And but the problem is if if our the if our argument is that we can't be prosecuted or we can't be found guilty because we had to be warned, then when I got arrested that in effect was a warning. So I don't know what my spy cam video is you know, whether or not that's useful. Hmm. So it's still on then for uh, for the next trial date. Yep, and the, the NYCLU is still backing me up. Oh, good to know, Bile. Good luck. Keep us in the loop, will ya? Thanks. Thanks, dude. Yep. Appreciate the call tonight. Blogabile.com, his website, if you want to keep uh, up to date with him directly. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are welcome to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls we go. Uh, let's talk to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Ah, good evening, hey, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight, Frank? Yeah, I really enjoyed the discussion concerning Afghanistan, why we're there, and how Obama has promised that he must win this. Knowing that and hearing those words from Obama, I think the Afghan people can be very confident. Everything Obama says he will do, he does the opposite. So when he says he must win Afghanistan, that really means that the United States will lose Afghanistan. And if you look at the history of the country... Going back to Philip of Macedonia, the father of uh, Alexander the Great, no one has been able to conquer the Afghan people. Yeah, well, I mean, how, it's not uh, the easy Romans, to... The Greeks, the uh, uh, British in the 19th century, the British in the early 20th century, uh, the Soviet Union in the uh, late 70s through the 1980s. Yeah, it's no uh, easy and task, And now it will be the United States. And the reason why we're over there is very simple. Uh, what the Taliban did uh, in 2000 was to reduce 95% of the opium production in the United States and the United Kingdom. Uh, didn't want that to happen because so much of our uh, covert operations are funded by the drug trade, and we know that. That's been a hallmark of the CIA since 1949. And what's very interesting, it's the pattern that repeated in the Golden Triangle uh, during the Vietnam War, when the U.S. military was sending the drugs out of the country under the direction of the CIA in body bags with dead soldiers. That's, mm. a, that's an empirical fact. That's part yeah. of history. So the point is that's one reason why we're over there. And the second was to, uh, to allow the Unical uh, pipeline to go through for Western oil companies. And that sort of failed in a way. Uh, so in a sense, uh, what the United States is doing to Afghanistan is planning to remain over there for 60 years or more, as Hillary Clinton uh, indicated, our current Secretary of State. And I think we have to realize, too, that the... Uh, that there are only 25, uh, according to the CIA, uh, al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. So we have to send another 40,000 troops over for that. How interesting. 
I mean, Afghanistan is here to bankrupt the United States and to enrich the corporations such as Halliburton, uh, Bechtel, uh, General Dynamics, the defense contractors. Yep. And it's, it's also to uh, inflict uh, tremendous uh, casualties on the Afghan people in the region with the depleted uranium. And, you know, this is our failed policy. This is what Obama promised that he would avert when he was running as the candidate. He would bring troops back from Afghanistan in Iraq. What's new, you know? six months of his inauguration. Isn't it amazing, Frank, that that, uh, every election cycle... It's the same old promises from the from essentially the same candidates. They just the faces change, oh, and Amer- the American people just get suckered in. Uh, the, the, well, I guess not all of them, because most of them actually don't vote. Uh, but uh, the the American people that do vote just keep getting suckered in by the same old promises. I mean, Woodrow and Wilson promised to keep America out of vote war against their own self interest by electing these people. That that you know, uh, it reminds me of sort of the Lucy and Charlie Brown syndrome with the football. Every time Lucy, oh, Charlie Brown, I'll hold the ball, and then as he's ready to kick, <laughs> he pulls it away and he flips. It's the American, uh, it's really what America's about. And, you know, my friends in the Illuminati laugh at this. They just laugh hysterically <laughs> at this. And, you know, hearing, hearing, you know, Barack Obama state that he's going to win Afghanistan, an impossibility. Everyone yep. is just laughing and doubling their bets and putting more money into Halliburton and the defense contractors and just laughing hysterically as the American empire collapses. But wow. what, what this policy will do, it will hasten the demise of the American empire. And maybe it's time. Hallelujah. You know, all empires fail in time. You're damn right it's time, and I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Hopefully we'll be able to get out before the, the crash. There's going to be a big party in Keene, let me tell you. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I'd rather see is uh, for you know the American people to realize that fighting wars all over the world and uh, occupying foreign countries is uh, not only immoral but extraordinarily expensive and that they would pull them out. It's When's only that gonna expensive happen? Yeah. to the people paying the bill, the people on the receiving end of it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. while it lasts, while the gravy train lasts, until there is right. the big collapse, well, right. it will be devastating. I may see so. you all at the FEMA camp. We all may be interned together. We may become very good. Uh, what do we call it? <laughs> Wait a minute. You've got to pass with roommate. the Illuminati. How's that going to get? <laughs> you've got the Illuminati connection. How are you going to get into a FEMA camp if you've got the Illuminati behind? Well, I have a feeling that you know the American uh, electorate is so woken up now that they've lost their jobs and the retirement savings that they're starting to look at the history. And for the first time. In three generations, people are becoming very mad and angry. I hope so. And I have a feeling that many of those Illuminati uh, uh, brothers and sisters are going to be in those FEMA camps as well. (laughs) I mean, I think even Papa David Rockefeller may have the uh, embedded chip, and he may not be uh, able to collect all his tax-free dividends from his... uh, uh, secure family trusts. I mean, you know, he may be deemed a useless eater. And uh, <laughs> goodness, wouldn't that be surprising? And Frank, funny? thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. The Illuminati told me that I wouldn't have to go to the camp. If I just, you know, if I just got on here and I and I told the, and I followed the talking points that they were talking about, I wouldn't have to go to the camp. What's Frank talking about? You know, it's interesting what Frank uh, pointed out about how uh, Obama said one thing and did another, and he thinks that hopefully that the American people are waking up to it. I wish I could be that optimistic. You know, maybe maybe I'm just um, maybe I'm just not it's in- starting. 
Well, you have to keep in mind, too. No, I'm incredibly optimistic, to be honest with you. And I think part of that is because it informa- it's so hard for them to restrict the information flow now. That's true. It is a nigh impossible. Um, they'll still try. Um, but, but it's going to be hard to do, especially ov- without being overt about it. It's going to be hard to do. And I think that it's just that, you know, that with the Internet where it is now, I think the ideas are flowing better than ever before. And the evolution of ideas is happening at a faster rate than ever before. I think you're, so, you're right about all that. But does does all of that negate the bloodlust and the lust for violence that so many Americans have? I mean, the no. The, the violent uh, culture that we have, you know, it's real cool. War is cool as long as you're not overfighting in it, right? Yeah. Uh, we got all yeah. those cool war movies that glamorize it. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I know what it was like when I was growing up. I guess if if I can change, anybody can change, right? Because I grew up thinking that being in the military would be cool, and that you know, ar- playing army dudes with my friends, and I even considered joining the military when I was in high school. And I and now here I am. A, I'm a I'm a peacenik, for lack of a better term. We got to build up, you know. I, I think. Um, Oh, what so many activists are is anti the bad stuff, and that's good, but you should be anti the bad stuff, but you have to offer people something that's good and makes them feel good and I think that that and that's tricky that's it's always more difficult to create than it is to destroy that's true you know or to be to be to promote something and to be positive than it is to just be negative and anti something and and so Absolutely. it is harder but the but the potential for gain is also huge. You know, and I think as we start to learn to do that and actually be positive and offer people peaceful alternatives to these to the, all the violent things, that's what you hear all the time. It's the thing I get constantly when I, when people hear, you know, I use the you know the 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 wordy dirt anarchist. You know, people are like, well, well, how is uh, disp- how are people going to deal with uh, crime and how what about overseas threats and ah, da 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 da? What's going to happen if government's not doing it? So you know, we do have to um, we have to give people have to under, have to have to witness the good things, uh, the nonviolent alternatives to a lot of these things, or at least non-aggressive alternatives to these things. I actually think there are really good nonviolent And they really have to hear a message of peace, too, which they are getting from uh, and, and the establishment. Should, and we got to do it. Like, not just talk about it, not just talk about the things that we can do, but start doing it now, not wait for the government to have that horrible collapse. We need to start replace, start filling in the things that are going to take its place as it's going out so good point 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line you can bring up anything the remaining moments of the show approach still time for your call make it now 800-259-9231 this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Even in these remaining moments, the toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and tonight it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. We give you the features free if you enjoy the program and you want to help support Free Talk Live. Shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of the total purchase. So it's the same great Amazon, same great prices, free super saver shipping deals, and a whole bunch of their brand new items. You can even buy used in dozens of categories. Head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and feel good because you're getting the stuff you want at great prices and Free Talk Live is getting a cut. And if you're uh, looking for an opportunity to be able to donate uh, for the you know people in Haiti that had the disaster and how you can uh, help with them, um, I, I recommend the American Friends Service Committee. They're seeking financial contributions to aid Haiti's earthquake survivors and help them recover and rebuild. You can donate at afcs.org slash Haiti. That's afcs.org. 
org slash Haiti. All right, so we continue here uh, taking your phone calls about what you want, going to the amp line and Ted calling from the woods. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ted. Hey, Ian, Dale, Mark. How's it going, fast? Ted, what's happening? Hey, uh, you know that story you told yesterday about the bull? The bull yesterday? Oh, uh, boy, what the hell did we talk about the bull, Mark? Yeah, <laughs> Refresh so my memory. The bull, <laughs> what? The bull chased the, uh, chased the fed. Oh, the yeah, the joke. The joke that we started the <laughs> oh, show. I love that joke. The joke. Okay, well, <laughs> now it's not fair to anybody that wasn't listening at that time. Can we recap this joke? <laughs> I'll do it very quickly. Um, a DEA agent comes to a, a rancher. Rancher says, uh, don't go in the back. Um, you know, I need to search your property. The rancher says, don't go in that back property. Uh, I'll go DEA, wherever I want. Right, the DEA's uh, agent very, very excited about his badge and stuff. He goes to the back pasture, finds the big bull. The bull chases him all around, and the rancher comes up and yells, your badge. Show him Show your me badge. Your badge. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, normally we don't tell jokes on the air, but that one I thought was just super. Anyway, go ahead, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard that same story from my great-grandpappy, and he said it was a uh, FBI agent trying to bust his still. There you go. Whatever it takes. I love that it, it, you know, it can adjust for the, for the times. For, for whatever bureaucrat you want to adjust it to, yeah. That's cool. Is that all, Ted? You got no, more? one thing. I was wanting to know, since you and Mark were kind of arguing back and forth, and I love it when you guys fight. That's why I watch the show. I love that. Is that that's you, that's, that's why you watch the show. It's, is it more It's more entertaining to actually watch uh, Mark get upset on the cam? Because really, when, you, when you're watching on the cam at cam.freetalklive.com, you really have a better view of Mark than, uh, than me because my head is usually turned away from the camera during uh, show segments. You can see Mark and Dale uh, fairly well. I mean, it, actually, we've got our other light off tonight, so it's a little darker than it normally is. Um, I heard someone say that you should um you should auction off as uh, the back of your neck as ad space. That's a good idea. Yeah. So was that what you're saying, Ted? That uh, I, you, I actually think you guys you need a you need a toy train that goes around the room and has a camera mounted on it, so we get a hundred three hundred sixty <laughs> degrees of a circle of the. Well, maybe when the amp dollars hit like a certain number, you can you can promise to implement that. That's Ian. pretty elaborate. <laughs> But what you're saying yeah, well, is, Ted, well, that you was, like the uh, you like it when Mark gets upset. I like it when both of y'all get upset. I think it's good times. So, so what you're saying is, Mark should drink more caffeine. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I don't think I. I think Mark's I gonna have, quit. You're talking about. You were talking during a break, Mark, about quitting uh, caffeine. Yeah, that's that's the plan. <laughs> so, does that mean you're gonna stop amping, Ted, if Mark uh, quits? Uh, What's caffeine? No, no, I'll still, I'll still give you guys some money. But okay. hey, uh, one thing, if you guys, you need to, you need to actually, I like to fantasize about you guys fighting, and I, I just try to think up the finishing moves that y'all have. <laughs> if you were to actually fight, uh-huh. and I was thinking Mark should, Mark should call his custom move the cutting edge. Wait, wait a minute. Have we heard this can, joke earlier tonight? Can I, you can I, find out who he, I, you can find out who Ted is by uh, going back into the uh, the chat in the uh, at, at chat.freetalklive.com and you can finally find out who Ted is. <laughs> I think his no, name's I'm not kidding you. Isn't his name Ted in the chat? Maybe. Ted, are you in our chat room? I don't remember who it was. Yeah, Ted. yeah, I'm, I'm in the chat room. Okay. What do you call? What do you call in there, Ted? Because I saw somebody named Ted in there the other night. I figured it was you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in the chat room every once in a while. All right. Good deal, Ted. I'm known as Ted. Anything else on your mind? <laughs> Anything else on your mind tonight? No, man. That's well, it. I, before you go, I need, oh, wait, 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 I need wait. what do I call my move? I just don't have a What's name that, that lends, I, got, I just don't have a name that lends itself to a cool move name, huh? No, no, but I've seen your comic, and I decided to call it the, the Tapeworm Takedown. <laughs> okay. 
Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it, Ted. 800-259. sexy as, as Mark's, the cutting edge. Ninety-two. Yep, the tapeworm takedown is just not sexy. All right, so uh, let's see here. Even in these uh, remaining moments, there's something that uh, we wanted to get to tonight, and maybe... I don't know, Dale. Do you want to stick around for an extended uh, show with um, us here tonight? I, I could, I could do that if we okay. want to. All right. Well, then, well, that's what we'll do. We'll, uh, we'll take free talk live into overtime uh, on the internet. We'll go internet only uh, extended edition of the uh, the program, and we'll talk about Quaker stuff. Quakers. What are the Quakers? Yeah, I've been wanting done? to talk about this. I, uh, I, I think that I got very excited about the Quakers earlier this. Uh, I guess it was last year. And um, you know, I I went and I've been going to meeting, and I think at some point I'm going to join the uh, Quaker meeting. And wait, um, you haven't joined the Quaker meeting? No, you, they want you to go for a while to make sure that you're real serious about being a Quaker. What does it mean to join the Quaker meeting? Uh, you write a letter and say, "I want to join." Oh, I, interesting. I am now a friend. Ah, uh, you know, I guess I'm just acquaintance at this point. <laughs> gotcha. I've been to I've been to it a few times. I've probably yeah. long, I'm overdue. I think to uh, to go back to one of them. But let, let's uh, change gears for a moment here. We'll get to the Quaker stuff in the after show, uh, internet only. You can listen at listen.freetalklive.com after our radio show is over here in a few minutes. But in the meantime, according to World News with Diane Sawyer at abc.com, Barack Obama said today that he believes he lost a direct connection to the American people his first year in office because he focused too heavily on policymaking, saying, quote, if there's one thing that I regret this year... It's that we were so busy just getting stuff done and dealing with the immediate crises that were in front of us that I think that we lost some of that sense of speaking directly to the American people about what their core values are and why we have to make sure those institutions are matching up with those values. You know, I believe this entirely, and I'm amazed that he would even say something like this, but the, the Democrats had an opportunity. Um, they, you know, the, What Barack Obama believed what his mandate was was to institute during the largest financial uh, you know, disaster of anyone's lifetime that's alive. Uh, was to institute two tremendously expensive uh, socialist programs called cap and trade, and uh, you know the, the what they're calling health care reform, as though socialized health uh, it would certainly be reforming it, but as though you know it's the only kind of reform that could be would be socialism. And so the cap and trade thing went through. It sort of went through, but it didn't go all the way. No, it hasn't. Okay. Neither one of both of them have been stopped at this point. That's why I think it's funny the quote but, he says. We've wait, been so busy getting stuff done here. Well, they, in Washington. They, they've been getting things done, but I mean, you know, they didn't actually get it complete. But you know, if if the Democrats would have done something a la Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton and decided, well, let's try to balance the budget, and um, there's actually a budget surplus. They'll never pay off the debt because it's impossible. But yeah. at least there was a budget surplus. People liked that. If the Democrats would have focused on, hey, getting uh, getting the truth out of Iraq and Afghanistan and out of all, you know, the, the military is half of the discretionary budget. They could have cut a lot there, but they, um, you know, they, they don't want to do it. So if they would have focused on things that they would have, uh, that they could have excelled at, they would have won, and they would have been there would have been Democrats getting elected in 2010. But now you, they might as well be packing their bags because it's time to go. Let's go uh, quickly to Chris in Canada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Hey, Ian. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Mark, how you doing, guys? Howdy. Super. What's up? Uh, I've been on your show uh, about a year ago uh, when I was uh, a newbie at all this. I'm getting pretty good. Thanks, Ian. You responded to an email I sent. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, hopefully Mark gets a hold of me. Um, I do have a concern, though, regarding this uh, this uh, DEA agent. Yes. Um, that that uh, Did he show his badge? To the bull? You're talking about the yeah. joke? <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm not sure whether the bull recognized it or not. No, that's the end of the joke is he's being chased by the The, bull and then... The problem uh, is the bull's an anarchist. (laughs) And then the... Well, that, that, that is, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm just concerned for the safety, eh? The DEA agent. Yeah, safety. just a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> nobody ever said whether he showed his badge or not. Yeah, it never gets that far. Yeah. The, end, the end of the joke is uh, where the rancher screams out, show him your badge! Your yeah. badge! And the idea yeah, I know, that, it was, that was great. Yeah. I just, I just <laughs> hope, the, I hope the poor guy's okay. No, I don't really care. <laughs> Ian, that's not very Quakery of you. Listen, you no, wait, wait. Does being a Quaker mean myself? I have to care about an aggressor? You don't have to do anything yeah, as a Quaker. Yeah, yeah. It's that's just right. meant to encourage. Yep. Got to show love to everyone. Positive things. But wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, Chris. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. You got to show love to everybody. I'm all in favor of that. I'm a, I'm a member do of the, anything. I haven't yeah. seen you hug any police recently. Actually, I'm a member of the police, uh, Keen Police Hugging Squad. I'm showing my love to the police but by not a, hugging them. But if a DEA agent uh, gets <laughs> gored by a bull as he's uh, attempting to uh, aggress against somebody, am I supposed to shed a tear over that? I think that um, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't jump up and down and go hooray. No, that's not what I'm saying. I would do, but I'm not going to necessarily be all uh, boo hoo over it either. Anyway, it's a joke yeah. though. The extended edition is coming up online only at listen.freetalklive.com. If you're there, stay tuned. There's more coming up. And if you're on the radio, thanks for tuning in tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place, and of course online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Huh? Are you going to say go? No, just patience. Patience. i got to wait till the music turns down a little bit here. <laughs> I don't hear it. I got late. this under control, Mark. <laughs> who, knows how to, this, Mark? Right, who knows how to operate the blinking boxes in this room? <laughs> I tell you, sometimes at night I, I cry myself to sleep. I hate him so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right. at least he helps you get some sleep. No. Extended no. edition of the program, internet only, no FCC, open phone lines. Uh, and the number that was given out by, in the intro is valid. You can still use that. You can also use our soapbox line to get through at 603-722-0267, I was thinking of a better way to say that earlier, and I've, I've spaced out on uh, on how how best to do it. Anyway, 603-722-0267. We will take your calls about anything here, extended edition of the program. Brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program at amp.freetalklive.com. So the reason we are extending things tonight is because, uh, Dale and Mark, you've been raving about this story that you, uh, you both have had uh, in your show prep about Quakers. And Dale's got it to share with us, so let's jump in. It's called How Did Quakers Conquer the British Sweet Shop? And it's actually a really cool article about the free market and how Quakers were very innovative at a time when they kind of had to be because they were being ostracized so badly. Uh, You know, if you were not uh, certain ideologies, uh, Christian or Jewish, uh, uh, a couple others, then... uh, you weren't, you know, you weren't even allowed to go to school. You couldn't go to college. And some of these, some of these Quakers were very self-motivated and went out and started businesses and things because it's all they could do. And so they, they ended up, you know, using, doing some very innovative business practices, partly because they were, um, they were sort of purists about doing things, being fair and treating and actually treating customers well. 
and and earning their business instead of trying to gouge them as much as possible and things like that. And they ended up becoming very competitive, actually, and because the, they applied those sorts of practices. The, the Quaker movement um, has a lot of parallels to the Liberty movement. A lot of them. The Quaker, the, the, you, we, we, you, know, you call it a process, and I like that. It's not so much a, it's not a dogma like other religions. It has mm-hmm. a list of rules. This is our religion, and these are the rules. That's why I kept, you know, it sounded funny to me when Ian said, well, am I supposed to do this as a Quaker? Am I supposed to do that? And I, mean, and I can think of, well, you know, there are positive things that are encouraged, but it's not... It's not a list of rules. That's not being right. Quakers all about. Right. And, and one, one of the big uh, testimonies is what they call it. Testimonies uh, for Quakers is peace. But William Penn um, was talking to uh, George Fox and George Fox, is the guy who started, uh, I believe this is I believe it was between the conversation between these two guys. Maybe it was a different Quaker, but whatever. Um, let's just let's just use them. Uh, it said, you know, I can't imagine walking around without my sword. William Penn was a nobleman and nobleman carried swords i can't and and this time at this point in t- history the sword was the most you know the greatest weapon a guy could have yeah sure and, uh, and they George were expensive. Said, yeah. <laughs> and but but quakers are all about peace and you know it's pretty antithetical to quakerism to carry a weapon on your hip george fox said well carry it as long as you can so like the I Id- thought it was as long as you need to. No, I, I think that it's okay. carried as long as you can. Because I, I, I have a story later. You know, I want to finish the thought, but I have a story later that's very similar to that by someone who I don't know was a Quaker but had a lot of philosophy that seemed similar. And uh, and I was just saying that we we call it a process, but uh, if anything, if Quaker is like the uh, it's almost the religion of libertarianism. If, it, if almost it's almost right. like if, if libertarianism were a were a religion, then that's what Quaker is. Right. A lot of people almost. would want the skeptics would want to believe that the skeptic, um, you know, sort of the lack of religion, the atheism is is the religion. No gods, no kings is the religion of um of, of liberty. But I I think that you know I think Quakers have a strong well, claim on it. Does atheism well, count how, as a religion? Look at how well, it's, the, it's the absence of one. If you okay. look at the culture of atheism, the, the the predominant culture that seems to be shared among a lot of atheists is incredibly. What they would call progressive, and I would call like um, big government mm-hmm. solving all the problems, and government taking the place of God. And government, to me, makes uh, because since they don't believe in God, and I don't either, uh, since government becomes this, um, government is essentially even makes even less sense than God. Because if you if you um, if you believe in God and you have a bunch of basis of beliefs based on the existence of God, well, if God does exist, then that stuff makes sense. But government is based on creating a God, and that's and that and that is that's incredibly farcical to me. So I just see atheists as replacing it, and I, I don't see uh, replacing God with government. And I don't and I, to me to me they're just they haven't gotten out of that mindset. Right. And, and you know some I, atheists, some atheists. Yeah. Sure, these sorry, are these are just generalizations. Sorry, that's the general culture that I. And you're witnessed. speaking as you know, essentially, a, you know, a, a atheist, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, to some extent. So you can you you have a little more footing um, there than than most. But I, I just find the history of Quakers uh, to be to me edifying, strengthening, and I I you know I love it. Um, I think that you know Quakers Quakers have kind of turned away from what they were in the past but I think that what they were in the past was so powerful um you know like pre civil war um that you know yeah I just like it um so I guess you know I'd, well, I'd like to share some of it story yeah, that okay you've got. yeah let's uh, again this is really a case of talking a lot about how Quakers and their business practices hold that thought let's go to the phone <laughs> 603 722 0267 we uh, we'll get to the story here in a moment make sure we get this uh, person on the air who's this 
Uh, this is John from Illinois. John, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight on the extended edition of Free Talk Live? Well, I was just uh, I was curious because I was I was thinking about a uh, banking in a voluntarist society, and I was wondering kind of how that would work because I know Obama floated his whole let's separate a uh, what does he call it narrow banking, so essentially depositor style banking in one section, and then hedge funds and all the other you know high risk pieces into another. Now, I imagine the market would segment kind of based on what the consumers wanted, but I wondered if you guys maybe had any thoughts about this. About banking in a voluntary society? Yeah, exactly. I don't think there'd be any fractional reserve lending. I think that uh, you would see more uh, you know, bank accounts that would look like CDs as opposed to savings accounts, because a savings account, um, in, if money is backed by value and can't be created out of thin air, is a service provided to the depositor um, that can then be, you know, uh, pulled out on demand. Well, why would anyone do that? Why would I hold your money and then um, until you wanted to get it from me? I, we would need a contract where it says I get your money for a year's time. And so you exchange, can lend it out. Right, and it, right, so I can do something with it. In exchange, I'll give you a certain amount of money for that um, privilege. So I think you'd see a lot more uh, bank accounts where that would be like CDs, certificates of deposit. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts on it personally. I, you know, I I like banks because I can put my money there, and it's it it feels safer. And I imagine that uh, that's what banks would want to do is make people feel like their money is safe. Well, it could be a safe investment because it would act like a buffer. You know, they could have some failed loans and some really successful loans, and they could give you a lower interest rate, but it's a safe interest rate. You know, because mm-hmm. they have some loans that are going to fail and some loans that are going to do better, and they'll and they'll refine their practices over time and get better at making better loans and so forth, and compete with other banks. And you'll you'll be able to look at histories of banks, and and there will be um you know con- consumer consumer agencies that 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 report on these banks and 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 whether or not they're actually following the things that they promise to do and things like yeah. that, so that people can decide. Oh, okay, these 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 agencies actually. Uh, report well on these banks, and this, that's a service you know that you know the banks will want to have a good reputation, of course, for business purposes. And and uh, yeah, I think what Mark said makes a lot of sense because uh, right now the savings account idea lends into leads the and and checking accounts too, just you know having a certain amount of just checking, uh, you know, money that's in there. They lend it out, not knowing for sure who's going to take it out, just based on the idea. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, not too much will get taken out at once, and they just sort of gauge that but the problem is that people are depositing money that they took out of the bank and then they lend that out again so it just becomes this exponential disaster does that answer your question uh yeah no um i guess just as a an additional comment if that's okay i was i was thinking maybe i mean you could probably even have some kind of a you know how the fdic right now gives people essentially deposit insurance and right now they're mispricing it because uh you know, it's basically just paid for by the taxpayers, without, and we don't get a choice. Yeah. But I was thinking that maybe you still could have fractional reserve banking, but maybe, I don't know, an insurance company or something would do it. But you'd imagine they'd probably – and I guess, you know, who knows what would really happen. You know, we probably just have to transition and find out. Yeah, so. exactly. We're I think speculating. That, some banks will have to fail. Yeah, and, I'm, and I'm, people will have to lose some money, and, and that's the natural order of things, unfortunately. I mean, that's – I tend to be anti-Osbornian in this particular area, much more Austrian, because I don't believe that the the uh, borrowing the the, the public, uh, whether they borrow or lend, are going to going to accept the idea of fractional reserve banking, um, in the sense that 
you know, they <laughs> that they give out more money than they have uh, than their ability is to pay. Um, they just create money out the of thin air. The public's accepted it today, and I doubt most people even know it exists. Yeah, well, they, they right. I understand. Um, I I just think that if the fact is, good money. Uh, you know, there there are. There are economic rules where good money will drive out bad money, and bad money will drive out good money in different um, situations. And I think that if you can have the dollar backed by nothing versus the dollar that's backed by gold, that probably storekeepers are going to say, you can have that dollar backed by nothing. Uh, I'll no, take the dollar deck by, backed by gold. Right, and there's, some, there's another factor, and that is that in the free market of banks, the banks could compete and educate the consumers that, hey, you don't want to bank at those guys across town. They only keep uh, one-tenth of the uh, the money. Yeah. that they, So they could actually come out and talk about this. I mean, can you imagine the yeah. uh, the consequences a bank manager would would, uh, would feel if he came out in the, in the advertising and, and uh, made that claim? I mean, he'd be... He'd be out of a job. The, oh, the banks over. would not get their FDIC backing. I mean, the, the whole system is so governmentally uh, backed up. There'd, there'd be no way they could even do something like that. But these so. are just speculations yeah. of pe- uh, people that do not have degrees in, in economics. So, you know, we, we know what we know, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. No, I, was just, I was just curious. wanted to hear your thoughts. So. All right, man. Hey, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. 603-722-0267. All right, so jump into the uh, yeah. quicker thing. So Where's this from, by the way? Is, uh, this is on the BBC News. Okay. So it's a British uh, magazine. It so says, Quakers, How did Quakers conquer the British sweet shop? Uh, Cadbury, which has been sold to U.S. firm Kraft, is one of several great British firm, firms excuse me, founded by Quakers. But how did they gain such a stranglehold on the chocolate industry, and why were they so successful in business? I always liked their cream eggs as a kid. I don't yeah. like them so much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're really rich. You can yeah. probably handle more sugar as a kid than you yeah. can now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. For a religious sect more interested in championing championing social reform than industry, the Quakers have established an oppressive roll call of household business names. Barclays and Lloyd's Banks, Clark's Shoes, Bryant and May, Mat- May Matches, and the biscuit firms Huntley and Palmer's and Cars are just a few of the companies founded by members of biscuits the Biscuits means cookies, group. right? And this is this is a British uh, article, so you know you they, have to it, translate, <laughs> right? The, well, um, not to mention that, but the United States Quakers have their own list of uh, of businesses that they started, um, and I think that it's their practice uh, that that are so powerful. Please go on. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to confectionery, there has been a virtual monopoly for more than a century, led by Cadbury of Birmingham. Fries of Bristol and Round Trees and Terry's of New York of York, not New York of York. <laughs> this achievement is all the more remarkable given the tiny numbers of Quakers. In 1851, they only accounted for about one in 1,400 of the population. Wow, way of, back then. Yeah, uh, of the population of 21 million in England, Scotland, and Wales, less than 0.1 percent. The move into chocolate began with cocoa drinks in the 19th century as a reaction against the perceived misery and deprivation caused by alcohol, says Quaker historian Helen Rollins. Now, this is what's fascinating to me, and this says a lot about Quakers. And what I was saying, we said, well, am I supposed to do this? Am I not supposed to do that? And, uh, and and that's not the approach that Quakers make. And this is a very libertarian approach. If they, if, like, this, like, for instance, they weren't anti Alcohol, they weren't, you know, alcohol is a sin, you're not supposed to have it, but they were seeing a lot of harm caused by people who were abusing alcohol, and they wanted to, they wanted that to stop. They wanted to try and, and, and instead of saying, well, you're, you're bad because you're doing alcohol, you need to stop, you know, using alcohol. But what they a, did is they used the carrot instead of the stick to try and offer that behavior. Give something and else. I'll give something, give them an alternative, and they were promoting moderation, not like, you know, abstinence. To, to, as an aside on that, uh, 
when I was talking about what are you supposed to do, what aren't you supposed to do, I wasn't suggesting oh, that the to Quakers... Kick, I didn't mean to dredge it up. Well, I no, just no, no, but, was a, good but a point of clarification. Uh, I wasn't meaning to suggest that there was some sort of uh, punishment within the religion. If you did this, you're bad uh, Quaker or something like that, or you'd be ostracized. But you've told me, Mark, that Quakers don't... There's certain things that Quakers do and certain things that they don't do, and you said that well, Quakers do not address people by titles. Well, They don't hold the, one man above, above another. So that's something that Quakers are known for, that Quakers... Well, do. Right, what they're known for versus what they do. Um, you know, there are people. Obviously, some Quakers use titles. Some Quakers don't. Some Quakers will use titles some of the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. they won't. Um, you know, it, it, it's some things have fallen out of practice uh, amongst Quakers, and I I think that some of them make some sense, and and some of them don't make some sense. I I don't have any problem with saying Sunday, but many Quakers from the past would say first day as opposed to using uh, the days of the week which mm. were sort of pagan which were named after pagan gods and they did not accept that I you know it, to me it doesn't matter See, now that's I don't issue. think that's yeah I mean I, well I think also I don't it, there's a lot of different sort of cultures of Quakerism around the country sure. and it seems like I don't know if it's a New England thing or I sure like our maybe New just our particular group because I haven't gone to any others right. so I can't I really don't know what to compare it to but definitely our group is definitely very sort of Progressive and 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 for instance, I think there's a lot of a history of fundamentalist Christian that kind of was you know they had their own ways of practicing it, but they were sort of traditionally Christian and it became more broadened and they decided you know and well, a lot of that was part of the practice because they don't want to say you're wrong and and everyone shared ideas and there was no preacher. It allowed always. Right. It, well, it allowed for um, the, the, the Quakers respect for the for the light within, which is how they say that, you know, God shows himself in inside of you basically was uh, claiming that essentially what's going, you know, God's re- revelation to me right now is as valid as God re- God's revelation through the Bible, which is going to then as you know, those revelations compound themselves, diminish the value of the Bible, which to me is a is a fine book in, in some ways. But in other ways, you know, it's it's it's, it's coming up uh, short. And I th- so I think that uh, Quakers are far more led by the revelations of the light within, and I, you know, you can call something that, external. I think it's right. a natural direction for them to broaden out and yeah. not be a Christian group, although not some so rigid. Of them still are. Right, some of them still okay. are Christian groups. So. All right, that's 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 settled. Yeah. Like um, so, um, so it says Quakers, and uh, this is a quote from Helen Rollins. Quakers and other nonconformists at the time were concerned about levels of alcohol misuse in the population at large. They were part of the temperance movement. But now the temperance movement didn't have a lot of uh, – didn't have any use for alcohol um, consumption. And mm-hmm. as I understand it, alcohol consumption, probably not the most Quaker of activities. Mm-hmm. But um, – I drink one Manchester brew every single night. Right. right well, you, and you're not a Quaker. I mean, you I know, it's not. N- neither I am I. Yeah, uh, I may have read too members. much into it and thinking that they were you know, promoting moderation. I think – well, well, wait a minute. How do you – wait, 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 wait. Why do you have to join a church in order to be a Quaker? Why can't you just be a Quaker? Um, well, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that you're uh, the, the, the one. You've called yourself a Quaker. I am a Quaker in the sense that that's what I believe. All I am, right, however, then. not a member of the uh, you know religious I'm not society. Officially- uh, yet either. I think it will almost certainly happen. I seem to be yeah. more and more involved. I like it. So it's it seems very likely, but I want to be really mm. really sure about it. I don't want to do it um, flippantly. I want right. to be very sure about it. If so. I decide to stop drinking alcohol ever. Then I'm going to do that because that's what I feel led to do, yeah. not because um, you know I'm joining some religious group that says to do that or not do that. That's good. I'm just you know. I'm not interested in dogma. 
you know. And, and, and that's, the, the church, that's why it appeals to me. The, the the Quaker meeting isn't about that anyway. They no, would never, never you know, they that. would never do anything like that and say anything about that. I mean, it's probably not appropriate to walk into the meeting and say, "Oh my God, my head aches from you know karaoke last night. I had six beers." Yeah, I'm so hungover. Yeah, well, that's, that wouldn't be appropriate. And and carry my and open carry my uh you know revolver in there. Not that I have a revolver. I'm just making a point. So, but I do like that the, that their approach to dealing with that was to encourage. You know, an alteration of behavior right. with a carrot instead of a stick. You so know? The, the cocoa was a way of providing the cheap and available drink, uh, um, and creating was, an alternative. Right. It was it was healthy because you had to boil the water to make it, and they when they didn't have good water supplies, people at this time could you know it, things can happen to water when you're you know drawing it from open wells. And, uh, you know, the article goes on to talk about how there was you know there was friendly rivalry between these Quaker companies, but they were also um, you know, they started out as general grocers, but there was also fraternity amongst them because they, you know, they shared the the struggle, you yeah. know, of being outcasts. Being, uh, so. you know, being Quakers, you were part of a group of what they called peculiar people, and you know, they they killed Quakers in Boston. Uh, they were they ostracized Quakers uh, in a regular basis in England too. It's why many of them came to the United States, um, and and so they they felt. You know, they, they felt the force of government at that time, which was combined with religion, uh, you know, head on. Yeah. It sounds familiar to me because, I mean, we, we kind of have that in our industry, our little division of talk radio known as the, uh, the Liberty-oriented talk shows. Uh, I launched the Liberty Radio Network uh, over a year ago, and it's a, essentially it's a showcase of our competitors. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, it, it runs – It's very mm-hmm. similar. I mean, yeah. it, the, the, the correlations are amazing. And, and, and again, it's like you, you, you are competing with them. To, to some you're, extent. You're, it's inevitable. But at the same time, you're also kind of rooting for them. You want them to do well too. Absolutely. And there's room in the market for them to all do well. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. It's like you know, there's room for everyone to do well, and still you should still be competitive. That's what makes everyone better. You know, we're all better because of that. So – so, uh, and this is, I think, still quotes from Roland. It says, uh, from Helen Rollins, it says, there was certainly strong networks between them. They knew one another from their church-based life, and because of the way they had been excluded and persecuted on the edge of society, there was a strong sense they should help each other out. You know, so they developed business networks as well as personal ones. They moved into producing chocolate bars. Several of the Victorian Quaker firms bought new cutting-edge machinery and established a competitive edge over other producers. And I'd like to point out that um, if Quakers bought new machinery, they likely didn't buy that new machinery on a leveraged basis. When Quakers did business, they were frugal people because uh, you know they believed in the the testimony of simplicity. And you'll have to you, know, you can look at that at uh, Wikipedia, testimony of simplicity. Leveraged meaning they didn't borrow loaned. money. Gotcha. When, um, and and the, now I'd like you know Free Talk Live, like Air America did. Right. Free Talk Live, <laughs> you own all these bink, blinking boxes. No, but you, yeah. there's no debt out there at all. Nope. And I just for me in my life, I found so many parallels to Quakerism, um, just sort of among the liberty movement, my beliefs and all this other stuff that I'd, I'm like, holy crap, I'm a Quaker. There's I didn't never realize it. On That's the, sort of how it hit me. You kept right. talking about this and that and the other, and I was always impressed with the history of Quakers. Yeah. And I'm like, they sound like libertarians. They sound like what we're doing now. You know, what the Free State Project's trying to do right yeah. now. They've mm. already done all this. Well, and another thing, the reason the Quakers, this is a good, good example of how an insult can turn into a, uh, a term. The reason they're called Quakers is because some judge, um, some corrupt religious judge in England and back in 1650 uh, called George Fox and his crew a bunch of Quakers because they literally Quaker 
quake with zeal. Now, if you're here at the Free State Project, you will find a lot of people that quake with zeal in their beliefs uh, for liberty. I mean, it's literally it consumes them. And Mm -hmm. my whole day is spent working to some extent for liberty, Um, you know, by selling ads. I'm promoting this show, which is the biggest voice for liberty in the world, um, honestly. On the radio. What's that? On the radio. Okay. Um, maybe something bigger. but uh, Probably know. Cliffs by Penn & Teller or John Stossel, something like that. Penn, Penn & Teller's about li- um, liberty? I mean, they, 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 they just kind of expose it's dumb not, stuff. Yeah, that's true. It's not so yeah. not so obvious. J- John Stossel's good, but he kind of goes issue by issue. Uh, anyway, uh, but those, those are certainly bigger. And, um, but they don't give the full picture of liberty the way Free Talk Live yeah. does. So, you know, I, I just see these parallels in Quakerism. Please go on. And it says the other advantage was their reputation for honesty and reliability. Running wait, parallel. Uh, wait. Um, now, how about libertarians? <laughs> I was going to make the correlation. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Go ahead. You, I mean, you look at it. Up, we're, we're purists about, be, you know, about what is it, force and fraud, about avoiding force and fraud. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and people are incredibly almost puritanical about that. What happened to the, the last guy that ripped off some of the free staters? Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Where'd uh, he go? Was, yeah. He got outed publicly in front of the entire group of these zealots, you know, out at the, it was uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Unacceptable in this community. Yeah. Like, you know, you do, you, you know, you're He was honest, given chances to make good, good mm-hmm. before yeah. they outed him. Yeah. And then they outed him. He disappeared. He's gone. Yeah. Yep. So, and, it, and, you know, and it's sort of an example was made. Yeah. So for other and, people, so. and we've, um, you know, we've done, we we do business, at, uh, you know, here and amongst uh, libertarian activists, you you rarely have that problem, and if you do, it gets around. People, uh, you know, people that love liberty are extraordinarily moral, and uh, Robert Wicks, sort of, uh, you know, our our web guy, one of our IT guys, called in and made this point, and I think that it's always kind of stuck with me is that Free Talk Live is less of a political show and more of a moral show it's it's true i mean we've been becoming more so yeah we have a we have a morality based uh belief system and it you know we we attempt to apply it apply it uh evenly and regularly whereas that's not happening on on the rest of these shows and i think that that's how it was for quakers too they attempt very hard they were very very uh rigid in attempting to be extraordinarily equal in the way dealing with people um you know and you know honesty and reliability please go on <laughs> um so they had this advantage for reputation uh, their reputation for honesty and reliability running parallel with their quest for justice equality and social reform again justice equality and social reform so they were amongst the first to set a firm price for goods there was a lot of bartering before but the quaker said no we'll state the price for goods and a fair price so, so the is, shelf price came from Quakers. Yes. yes. Like, here's, Essentially. I mean, here's, that's, how, here's how influential Quakers are in your life. Do you go to the grocery store and buy stuff that has a label on it? And are you not a freaking slave? Because these are the two things that Quakers, uh, that, that you can thank Quakers for. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't you don't have, have happened. You say freaking. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry <laughs> I'm not saying they wouldn't have happened in the marketplace at all. But, uh, you know, but Quakers were on the cutting edge of Stopping slavery and making it so that prices were fixed rather than this whole bartering, ripping people off thing. Um, yeah, imagine if you had you, to go up to the cash register at the grocery store, have the uh, register operator eye you and everything uh, and was like a, a used price. car, like purchasing a used car where the guy on the other side is trying to get the commission yeah. and get the biggest gals they can out of you and saying, hmm, sizing you up and figuring out how stupid you might be and whether or not they can get, you know, twice as much as uh, uh 
off of you than they do the the next guy. So, so. they use the marketplace. They they created a new niche in the marketplace and essentially created you know what we have today as far as uh, you know with the way consumers purchase things. And now if you don't if you don't think think that through very deeply as a business person you might think well it's in my best interest to gouge the customer as much as I possibly sure. can. And this is how a lot of big government people who think in terms yep. of we need regulation and Short all term. this thing, they think, well, that we got to stop that kind of thing because it's you know if everyone is just out on their out for their own gain, then it's in their best interest to gouge everyone as much as possible. So you might think that, but uh, well. And and then Rollins goes on to say people then appreciated that. Then competitors come into the market. <laughs> Hello. No. People appreciated that. They This was incredibly innovative. Yes. They were innovators. They changed business forever. And people they did it from a standpoint that. of mm-hmm. morality. Right. But it was also good for them. And they mm. cornered the market on the businesses that they entered. And Quakers they, they, are always they rich. They practically <laughs> monopolized it. So people appreciated that. They knew where they stood with Quaker businessmen. They were in it to make a livelihood, but not at the expense of customers or employees. This ethical approach gave Quaker retailers a competitive advantage over their es- uh, resentful rivals because their customers knew they were not being ripped off and did not have to haggle to get a fair price. Cadbury, which built the village of Bourneville for its workers, complete with schools, leisure facilities, and parks, was amongst the first firms to make pension pension provisions and provide a canteen. Okay, so um, uh, you know, here you corporate have- mining town. They're going to take advantage of people. They'll right. run all the, you know, the the kids stores and everything. This is what's going to happen. The absence of government, they're going to they're going to own people. Well, and, and somebody might try to do that, but in a world of communication, um, people would find out more quickly about companies that would be like this one that yeah. would offer all kinds of things from a standpoint of wanting not only to do to to to, to be fair and just and moral, but because I don't think it's necessarily fair and just and moral to pay your employees well. I just think it's a system that works. Um, but, and so therefore – But that was it, their motivation. A, that was their motivation because they don't and respect one person over another. And I think that – and I think it – you know, like it's, it's fine that, um, that, it's, that that's their motivation, but it's a system that really, really works. Right. And the, as a result, they became very, very successful. And I think – you know, this is, this is interesting, but guys, I think that – and p- part of and you know when I, I meditate every week on these principles, mm-hmm. and the more and more I get this really strong sense. Uh, part of it is thought, is just thinking through it. You know, trying to use my full capacity of my mind uh, to think through these things. But part of it is is sort of intuitive, and I can't necessarily work it out with a mathematical equation. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that I sincerely believe it, and I don't want to call that faith. I, it's something uh, – I think there's more to it than that, but there's this sense that doing the right thing is also what's good for me. Right. You and, know? And, you know I'm, I'm not – I didn't want to do this segment because I want to proselytize to people for my ver- version of religion or anything like that. I'm sure that there's some people that are atheists or whatever that go listen to this or people that even believe other religions well, are going to listen to this <laughs> and, and not be happy with uh, you know what I'm saying. I just – like this, and if you want to hear it, please continue listening. Like that's how kind of how well, I feel and, and about this it. Well, and this too, you, you, this this isn't necessarily about Quakers. I mean, what well, is about Quakers, obviously? But I'm saying that what they're doing and what they're talking about is what we're doing right now. And 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 this is this is this is proof by example. This yeah. is it, look, it happened. They did it. They right. they, they had success, and, this and is, they're doing what we're doing. So be inspired by right. this. And this is my point about the Free State Project. When I you say don't have the to be Free a Quaker St- to get this, the Free State Project is going to be successful. The Quakers were successful. They're a relatively small group of people now. They've their numbers have actually dropped um, in you know a century and a half or whatever. But look how they changed the world. 
a, a few people can change the world dramatically. Right. So anyway, please go on, Dale. I'm sorry. So uh, it, it also knew a healthy workforce was a productive workforce and employed doctors and dentists at a time when there was still child labor in Britain. Ms. Rollins says evidence shows the new ethical stance led to a successful business, but it was unclear how other firms viewed it at the time. <laughs> not, not particularly well. I mean, those fuckers. <laughs> the Quakers were not the only people doing that kind of thing, but they were in the vanguard of it. The, the connection between faith, faith-based motivation and business was very clear and perhaps less overt amongst others. The Quakers were formed as a protest against the established church, and crucially, members were excluded from universities and debarred from many public and civic offices, along with other nonconformists. Hello. And Quakers, <laughs> Quakers did manage to get into Free offices here in the, in the United States, and um, you know they, they, quite honestly, once they got into power, weren't that great. So because <laughs> it's not moral. Maybe they stopped being as purist, and that's where it Well, some, some were, some weren't. And, it, it, you know, this is how it is with everything. Well, if they took office, that is, that's not in line with... They weren't anarchists, though. They, they didn't believe it from the standpoint of... Not, they didn't they understand were violence. They hierarchical hierarchical Indeed. So but, that's, that is essentially anarchism right there. Well, it... I don't. I think a lot of them. They don't see it the same way. They don't see the inconsistency. Yes. In, in, in their views. They were. They were sincerely following their hearts, and they just had not grasped that, uh, you know, inconsistency. Yes. I, I think. So um, I don't judge them for that. <laughs> so, um, so professions such as medicine or the law were not open to them, which explains why so many gravitated towards business and commerce. During the 18th and early 19th centuries, nonconformists were barred from universities. You had to be a practicing Anglican to take a degree. Lots of the middle classes who might have taken the intellectual route went into trade and industry, and their talents were well used there. There was an inventive streak and an interest in science among Quakers, typified by the Darbys of Colebrookdale, who founded the British iron industry, and the Hanburys, who brought tin plate to Wales. Their pacifist stance also created new markets. Unlike their competitors, the Darbys refused to make cannon during the Napoleonic Wars and instead concentrated on domestic ironware, which proved a more lucrative industry than weapons. Surprise, mm. surprise, doing creative things that help produce right. goods and services is, is, is uh, actually better uh, you know, it was actually a better business practice than yep. creating things that destroy. Yep. yep. Big Step, surprise. Stepping outside the box in order to, uh, you know, <laughs> to be kind to people. Hmm. Worked again. <laughs> and, 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 and shocking. The, 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 the level, the, the accusation leveled at libertarians constantly is that, uh, you know, we're vicious. We hate uh, people. You don't want to give people a fair chance. It's, you know, you know, you don't care if people succeed or fail. Oh, yes, we do. This is the only system that's fair. It's the only one that's moral. It's the only one if you want to help people that uh, that actually helps them in the long term. It's the only thing that makes sense uh, to to anyone who has who um, aside from being heavily indoctrinated into the counterintuitive, and that's the way I look at it. You really have to unbrainwash yourself, and then it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how that's just how it goes. In the 1820s, the Pisas ran the first train from Stockton to Darlington on what became known as the Quaker Line, and the Quakers influenced pharmacy. Allen and Hanbury, Chemicals, Albright and Wilson and Sturge, and Engineering, Ransoms of Ipswich. And it's calling and the the next section is called Natural Capitalists. Of course I don't like that term, but you know, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> uh, but 
But they were also people of their own era, forcing women to leave work once they married and employing slaves in West Indian sugar plantations, despite later starting Britain's campaign against the slave trade. Well, right. And, and you know, certainly when Quakers started, they, you know, they, it takes a while. It started to, somewhere, right? Yeah, right. you, you have to. It takes a while to unwrap this this onion. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you start well, in a world with they're slavery. They're indoctrinated at the time. And, yeah. You know, they, yep. they made it. They were they were the, on the, the leading edge of de-indoctrinating is the way I mm-hmm. look at it. So, uh, I, you know. I like uh, what some uh, one of the uh, the guys here in the local area, uh, Bodie Knights, one of the uh, the younger uh, local Keniacs, and I was uh, at the the Free Keen Fest with his dad, and he was telling me that uh, he he looks at life as uh, as a spiritual journey, and uh, that you know we we all started somewhere, and we all indeed at one point. I mean, Dale, you ran for office back in the day or something sure like did. that when you were sure uh, when you were in the Republicans, and you know we at at one point we embraced war and things like this, and uh, we've come come along our our path for whatever our influences have been to the conclusions that we've made. So. I mean, if, if well, we all started uh, as uh, as Quakers and uh, perfect uh, liberta- libertarians, then there wouldn't have been a journey. Quakers. It's tempered yeah. my own fire and brimstone about about people with imperfect views. You know, as much right. as I've railed against people who go out and do politics and all this stuff, I've I had to like, I had to have sort of go back and think about my own path and that I was imperfect. You know, I'm still way imperfect. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, look, I have to go look at my own past and look at how much progress I've made and look at all the things I look back on that I would I feel ridiculous about now that I the decisions that I made. Yeah. So how can I be so incredibly judgmental of other people that are on their own path, you know, the, to, to figuring these things out? So I still would like to encourage people, uh, you know, of, and we all should encourage what we believe to be right. But uh, at the same time, I got to cut some people, cut people some slack because, you know, I had my own path, too. So um, academic Sarah Moss, who wrote Chocolate, a Global History Edible, says conditions on Quaker slave plantations may have been better than others, but it was still slavery without any doubt. Quaker confectioners were seen as trustworthy, she says, with good and safe factory conditions, bucking the trend at the time. Contamination of sweets was a big issue in the 19th century. Red lead was a common coloring for sweets which was poisonous, and brick dust was added to chocolate to make it go further. Jeez. Well, but it, I mean, these were standards, right? Yeah. yeah. She also thinks aspects of the Quakers' religious ethos and self-reliance made them natural capitalists. Nonconformists put the burden of responsibility for salvation on the individual. Quakerism doesn't have any kind of priesthood. That approach to life is the prototype of successful capitalism. You just get on, it's just you and the system and no welfare state. By the 1870s, Oxford and Cambridge universities began accepting Quakers, opening up new professions and opportunities. Paul Whitehouse, treasurer of the Quakers of Business, says this helps explain why there are fewer Quaker firms today. People went into a large selection of. Oh, I ones. don't think so. I think that yeah. the, I, I think that uh, Quakers turned to a more insular sort of religion at about this time. They started excluding people from uh, the religion based on ideological. They only wanted ideologically pure people. They said if you, you know, if you don't believe like us, you don't dress like us, you don't act like us, you're not a Quaker. Get out. Um, so. You know, this here's here's a lesson in uh, calling out people like Ron Paul, by the way, Ian. And, um, you know, what they did was they well, basically strangled is, themselves. Is one thing. Well, y- y- ostracism is ostracism, man. And yelling on the radio is, is a good form well, of ostracism. Do you think he's ostracizing Ron Paul? The, the, the attempt is, uh, well, first off, if you uh, if you call out Ron Paul, you call out a whole bunch of people. Well, we should have, call people. It's one thing to call people out in, in the manner in which we do it. We can we can, you know. But I don't know. 
I think I think the manner that one one goes about it. Okay, like but that's it, a tough that's a tough thing to talk about, Mark. Because on one hand, if you don't call somebody out, and I think Dale's right about the love. manner that you do it. Uh, okay, there you go. Because if you don't call somebody onto the carpet, then how are you going to encourage them to change their behavior? I, I think that Free Talk Live's moving more towards this, and I'd like to see more movement towards this. Right? Is um, you know, is is approaching people, even people that are sort of fictitious, not here right now, kind of people need uh, you know more and more. I'd like to approach them with love. I'm not. I'm I'm as, I'm a worse screamer than you are. So well, feel free to call me out any old time. I don't think. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm trying. My to point was to bring up how politics corrupts people. Well, I'm a that happier, was my point. I'm a happier person when I'm less angry and less hateful and more loving. It wasn't uh, to say Ron Paul was a bad man. It was to say that this is what politics does: is you compromise your values. Oh, as I those agree Quakers completely. who became politicians compromise their values. I, I, I absolutely I concur completely. that that is the necessity behind politics. However, my I question at this point whether anything else works. And so, I mean, for the people out there that are unwilling to, say, move to the Free State Project and live on some agorist farm or something like that um, and, and wait for the man to come get them or, or whatever oh, it is. I'm not on an agorist farm. I'm participating in some agorism, but I'm doing well, it in a house in the suburbs. Well, you, you've got some money saved <laughs> up, too. I mean, you're, 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 you've got to – one has to be prepared. Like, it's, it's not easy. Nobody, I, I not everybody you. can I do what you. you're talking about. You're right. A lot of people have to go out and get a job in the system. Yep. Get their, give them their social security number and all that stuff. So, uh, People went into a large selection of different walks of life. There was no longer this concentration of people in business. The best and brightest went into business. Once the, be- the best and brightest went into business, now they were spread across so they didn't stand out. After World War II, Quaker-owned family businesses began to disappear. Cadbury merged with Schweppes in 1969, and Roan Trees was bought by Swiss multinational Nestle in 1988. Ms. Rowland says there was a sense among Quaker bosses that holding on to their companies as holy family enterprises would make them competitively vulnerable. Quakers and business, Quakers and business tries to apply the same ethical values of yesteryear to today's society, and the Quaker brand remains a powerful, trusted, and at times exploited one. The U.S. company Quaker Oats, founded in the late 19th century, still uses the image of a traditionally dressed Quaker on its cereal boxes, despite never having any connection to the group. Hmm. Yeah, that's my understanding, too. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny that... Um that the, the thing, first thing that people think of when they think of Quakers isn't actually Quakers. Has nothing to do with Quakers. Um, <laughs> it has yeah. a picture of a guy, um, but they were they were exploiting the image because right. it was associated with a trustworthy business. Yes, you know, like like the Quaker Oats. You know it's going to be a good product at a fair price because the Quakers are involved. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, this, isn't it great that this image was created of a trustworthy business um, business person? So, um. Yeah. So is there more? That is the. That's it. Th- that's the end of the article. I believe so. I don't think it is. Oh, did I miss something? Maybe I did actually. Well, let's take a phone call. I'll figure that out. Six zero three seven two two zero two six seven. We go to the amp line. Actually, who's this? You're on the extended edition of Free Talk Live. Hey, is uh, Jenny there? Is Je- is this Ted? <laughs> <It's> Ted. <laughs> is Jenny around? Jenny, uh, is not. There's no Jenny in this studio. Oh, no, someone, someone told me it was Jenny's number, but no. I, I guess I, I might have dialed it wrong. I was trying to get 8675309. I was going to say, you waited throughout that entire article to ask if Jenny was here. I sure did. Hey, what's with all y'all denying my existence and stuff? What are you talking about? Oh, he says he's God. Are you God? Yeah, no, I ain't God. What the hell? Wait, well, who denied Ted's existence? Who's denying your existence? I'm Ted. This here's Ted. Now you, know you guys Ted? are all like saying that I have an alias and stuff. 
Well, Ted, um, what Ian's, uh, you know, has leveled the accusation that you may be a character of some very inventive and clever individual. However, you may just be an in- inventive, clever, redneck-sounding guy. You think I sound like a redneck? Yeah, I think you sound southern. Yeah. Oh, everybody everybody says I have like a city folk accent. There. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine how thick their accents are. Then. <laughs> you can't even understand what them. What city are we talking about? Myaka City? <laughs> We're just waiting until you hear me after I've been on the phone with my mom for a while. And I, right after I get off the phone, uh, it takes me a little while to revert back to revert back out of my, you know, the yeah. accent that I grew up with. Th- same thing happens to me when I get around uh, when I get around some uh, southern sounding folk, and you start affecting. And it. especially if I've had a little bit of uh, a little bit of alcohol, whew, it, it, it comes right out. <laughs> Karaoke. But I'm one of those people that. that... I know. Go ahead, Ted. I know someone that's got the opposite problem. Man. He's got a real bad speech impediment. That he stutters all the time, and but whenever he drinks, his voice clears right up. He talks that's just like weird. normal. Yeah, it wow. relaxes him. It's a depressant. So maybe you know, stuttering is a kind of a nervous issue. So it reminds me of uh, oh gosh, I forget what the the movie was, but there's uh, there's a, a drug war, anti drug war movie out there where they they look at a woman who has uh, who uses medical cannabis. For uh, oh god, it's not stuttering, but it, she has some sort of issue where her speech is affected, and when she she takes a toke off of a, a bowl of cannabis, it just instant, almost instantly doesn't uh, take much. Remedies huh? it, just remedies. a little bit. A it's probably not enough to is even get a, a buzz or a high. A whooper? Yeah, man. I, I knew uh, this one guy, and every time he talked, he'd, he'd randomly just go whoop, whoop while he was talking. It, it was it, it was completely. Uh, you know, he couldn't control it at all. That yeah, sounds Tourette's. Like, yeah, Tourette's. Tourette's. Yeah. I, had a, uh, <laughs> I went to school yeah. with a girl like that. It I was had so a, funny. A, a guy in, in prison um, was my roommate, and he would sort of randomly bark and make dog noises. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and he would also have to affect... Good boy, good boy. And he, and he would have to make the, the noises of anything electronic that sort of uh, made noise around him. So really? like the microwave would go ding. And I loved it so much that I would imitate, imitate it too. Um, <laughs> and so funny. like uh, the microwave would go ding. Can he go ding? I'd go ding. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said that hanging out with me put him back two years in therapy. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize Tourette's is uh, everyone thinks of c- the cussing, and that is one form of Tourette's, but a lot of people have forms where they snap their fingers. You know, they have a little nervous habit, they snap their fingers, and they can't stop it hmm. or make noises like that. All right, Ted, you got anything else? Hey, earlier you guys were talking about the mining camps and how the companies would run all the stores Yeah. and do all that stuff. You're acting like that ain't never happened before. Oh, it's happened. No, yeah, I was. Yeah. What I was su- suggesting oh. was that some people who are very anti-freedom will uh, will use that example of the company, uh, the company town, as a scary story about why we need government to uh, always be there into the future. And I was just pointing out that, well, the Quakers made their own company town, and it was a humane-sounding uh, company town with doctors and you know yeah. good treatment. More humane, stuff. it would still be that. inhumane by today's standards. And this is the this this is the the problem with using these examples of the company towns is that the you know it, it's like the sweatshops in 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 Mexico or, or China or whatever people go every day to work in these places that that are called sweatshops here in the United States but these factories because it sucks less than what their other op- options are yeah it, you really can't compare it to like what we have right, right. here uh, you know right. you have to look at the infrastructure that's built up over the years and technology there are other factors than just government 
that affect our lifestyles. And, you know, that has to be accepted. I mean, I would think that you, and, and it's just like these places where they had a government and then the government went away. And uh, um, is it and they try to compare it to our lifestyle over here and say, look, the government went away and now they're living this horrible lifestyle. Yeah, it sucked before, actually, when they had government. So you have to com- you, you can only compare it to like to, you know, you have to, there's all these other factors involved. Ted, well, thanks. Go think, ahead. You ever hear of the town of Maytuan? Maytuan, where's that? West Virginia. Oh no, I don't. I don't think I have. No, man, they, it was one of them mining towns back at the turn of the century, and uh, not this century, last one. And uh, they were talking about the. Uh, well, they had the, they had their own stores. You had to use company credits to buy anything from these stores and stuff. And uh, the miners, they they formed the union and tried to revolt against this mining company that's doing all this stuff. And uh, well, the government stepped in on the side of the the company. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, figures. Maytuan census of two thousand. There were four hundred ninety eight people living there. And if you find a case like that where you have a business that's that's really exploiting people by you know monopolizing the the, the area and and there's you know taking advantage of a limited amount of work available mm-hmm. and exploiting the crap out of people, then just understand that government is a much bigger version of that. That's even more powerful and has an even greater monopoly on resources. And uh, and there's yeah. nowhere for you to go away to. Yeah, You're if you thought the it. company town was bad, look at government. Hey, thanks, Ted, for the call. Appreciate it. As always, 603-722-0267. So I wanted to talk about the uh, Quaker Oats guy. Um, we were discussing <laughs> him. And, you know, he is the sort of the vision of what people think of when they think of Quakers. And so I um, Quakers sort of, at least here in the United States, um, as opposed to England, were traditionally clean shaven. Um, that's that was kind of their gig. Whereas Amish guys have the funny beard. Yeah, yeah. Well, Quakers, you know, they they were they were considered sort of this, uh, you know, on on the fringe like Amish and Mennonites were. Um, so they, you know, they kind of fit into that uh, that that category. I believe they call themselves simple simple people or something like simple mm-hmm. dressers, something like that. And um, Quakers up until probably a hundred years ago were doing the the plain uh, dress. Thing. So they were wearing clothing. They'd wear the, the black hat. And no the, colors. And they would wear gray rather than black. I guess black was Amish and gray is uh, Quaker is, yeah. is the idea. And so that's where that hat is that the Quaker the Quaker guy's wearing there. And, and it was very traditional. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, now Quakers more do the plain dress in that. You know, d- different ones approach it differently. Like some, some will decide, well, I'm not going to wear anything that has, you know, big, you know, wouldn't have the Tommy Hilfiger thing spread across their chest or something. Others will say that I'm going to wear stuff that's been, uh, you know, it's it's got carbon credits and it's been uh, made of spun of organic, uh, uh, organic cotton made from sheep that were massaged every day or whatever, <laughs> you know, like they'll, you know, or, yeah. or, you know, from indigenous people that have been fairly traded with or, you know, that's kind of where they've taken it. For me, it's like I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch of new clothes. All the, I used to buy more, new clothes more often than I do, but mm. the clothes I had were fine, and I just you know send them off to Goodwill and yeah. perfectly fine clothing. So I'm I'm going to you know not get rid of clothing um, you know that doesn't need to be gotten rid of, and I'm just going to you know I'm gonna wear I, I the buy same a clothes lot, for a while. Uh, you know, uh, uh, resold clothing. Yeah, you know, uh, it's cheaper. And uh, it, it's less wasteful, I guess. It's perfectly I, I, good. That's not a Quaker thing, though. That's just not something I've decided to do. A lot of the and again, like the whole Tommy Hilfiger across the front. I hate shirts like that. <laughs> and, and and that's just I've always I'm already like that. And so right. much of what you said, well, this is how Quakers are, Dale. And this, this yep. is how, I'm like, well, that's me too. That's where that's the whole direction I've been going, uh, for other reasons, and it just coincides. Right. And you know, I 
I think that if if this works for if if my words you know ring true for other people you know maybe they can try a Quaker meeting in, um, near them and by the way they're different all across the country you never know what you're going to get every meeting's entirely different yeah the, not entirely it, different but you know when you go and you look up Quakers uh, for instance some of the Wikipedia uh, story about yeah, it there's a lot of different stuff there it, it says here that they they have the unprogrammed meetings in about 11 percent of Quakers worldwide now unprogrammed meaning like what we what go we to yeah. where it's just for us it's people sitting around in a circle uh, quietly and then if they're moved to speak they uh, they will speak it's mostly quiet for about an hour and there's the you know, it's punctuated occasionally by uh, by speaking uh, and then after that it's just more of an open discussion about you know what you're feeling thinking that, and specifically what goes on the open discussion afterwards is almost entirely uh, you know our particular group and almost entirely since I arrived. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to take credit for or anything like that. It just kind of happened organically. What because, would they normally do? Just up and leave after the hour? Well, they'd or? talk. They'd say, you know, I'm their business uh, meeting I'm, occasionally. I'm Mark, I'm Mark from, you know, my town. And, and you know, they'd, they'd say things like that. And, you know, they just chat a little bit. Mm-hmm. But since it was a, such a small group, you know, the more chatting went on. And of course, you know, libertarians are an evangelical folk, just like Quakers used to be and are not really so much now. And uh, so I, you know, it's probably the most airtime Quakers have had in uh, recent time, uh, recent years, yeah. right here this hour. By two people who are not officially Quakers and really aren't qualified, right. to, to, to promote them. So, um, you know, I, I guess I'd say things. You know how you you plant little seeds of of what you believe as far as um, yeah. your politics goes, and uh, you know, so I tried to create bridges in that way, and so it just ended up sort of talking, and and we just talked for uh, you know a while now, and I just hmm. it's. I guess it got kind of created there about that time frame. So that kind of that kind of that's one of the things that kind of bugs me about promoting the idea of, of Quakerism because yeah. because when you go and you look it up, you see that most Quakers are going to a programmed meeting where there is some sort of a I don't know if they call him a preacher, but there's somebody who is. Uh, essentially speaking to a group of people, yeah. almost kind of like a moderator. Uh, yeah role which probably changes because of quaker practice i, I can't know, speak I, I i really can't speak beyond the three meetings that i've been to and the three meetings that i've been to have been unprogrammed to, to me when i read this about the programmed meetings that's that turns me off because that's not the kind of uh group that i want to go to i mean just to give you what they say here uh represents a trim uh, excuse me rep- resembles a typical protestant worship service in the united states a tradition among those uh, a tradition arose among friends in the United States in the 19th century in response to large numbers of Quaker of converts to Quakerism during the national spiritual revivalism of the time. Typically, there are readings from Scripture, hymns, and a sermon from the pastor. Yep, I wouldn't even go a no. second time to something like a that. A period of silence is included in some programmed Friends worship services. Most Friends in the southern and central United States worship in this way. So, Not the one in Sarasota, Florida. They what just, do they do then? Unprogram, unprogram, silent, silence, and, and people speak. So uh, that's why when I when I talk about when we talk about Quakerism and I, I get a little concerned because people yeah. are going to think different things about it. But it's true, uh, you yeah, know. I'd try also it hate to tell them this is what Quaker meetings are like, and they go to one in their area, and it's very different. Right. So yeah. just. Yeah. Maybe I'm, you know, I could be entirely wrong. These are the three meetings I've been to. They've all been unprogrammed. That's how it's been for me, and it's been great. I have you just a have little... to put it out there and let people yeah. know what to expect. I, I have some stuff written here on a, a Quaker site that I want to read about their the relevance of their belief um, in business, and um, you know, by this one guy. Um, 
and and since we're talking about it, I, I you know I think that this is since we talked about Quakers and business, I think that this relates. Number one, they inspired trust. This was linked to their refusal to swear an oath. Their refusal was based on biblical injunction against swearing, but fundamentally on the basis that there could not be two standards of truth. Truth was truth. This led to their success as bankers because banking depends on trust. It also meant as shopkeepers they put the price on their goods um, at which they intended to sell them. This was not. This was in contrast to prevailing customs of haggling over prices. It was an ethical approach, but also good business. And resented by their competitors. Most people prefer to know they are not being fleeced rather than to have a bargain to achieve the same end. Two, they saw life as a whole. Think about the, how this relates to – think about you know Quakers and libertarians and how this is very similar. They saw life as a whole. Religion was not just for Sundays. Mm-hmm. Politics isn't just for election day. On um, one of the queries Quakers are asked to consider is, do you maintain strict integrity in your business transactions and in your relationships with individuals and organizations? Are you personally scrupulous and responsible in the use of money entrusted to you? And are you careful not to defraud the public revenue? Whatever that means. Um, (laughs) They must be uh, unusual among Christian groups in giving specific advice in business ethics. As a result, they are supported each, um, by each other and kept an eye on fellow Quaker business um, to maintain their reputation. So they police themselves. Parallels? <laughs> when uh, my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather came to Birmingham in uh, 1794 to open his draper's shop on Bull Street, he went to Bull Street meeting and uh, set Samson's Lloyd to whom he had an introduction. The firm was banked with Lloyd's ever since. This is the bank. Oddly enough, their unwillingness to support war opened up business opportunities. The Darbys did not, as Iron Masters make common the, during the uh, Napoleon, make cannon during the Napoleonic War, like their competitors. Instead, they developed a whole range of domestic ironware, which uh, turned out as to we've be, already pointed out. Right. Well, yeah. This this is actually where the the author got this information. A lot of this information. Uh, okay. One of the well, the sources. Their respect for the worth of every – number four, their respect for the worth of every individual influenced the way in which their businesses were managed. I saw many instances of this at uh, Burnville. I encouraged the view that everyone's contribution – it encouraged excuse me, the, um, the, the uh, view that everyone's contribution to the business was of value. This made for good working relationships. Suggestions for improvements were welcomed and followed up, whatever their source, because of their belief in equal worth work – Worth, women played an important role in Quaker affairs from the onset. The same was true in uh, our company, where in uh, Edward Cadbury's day, women's departments were managed by women to ensure that they had a fair share of managerial posts. Um, I have no doubt that the firm gained greatly from the belief that everyone working there had something of value to offer the enterprise. And I think that that speaks to how libertarians intend to view the individual as opposed to viewing people by groups like uh, you know women or colors or things like that. At least that's how I see most liberty-loving individuals. They attempt to do that. Number five, and another belief was the importance of arriving at decisions by agreement. Voting could mean that the views of minorities were disregarded and overridden. <laughs> the aim was to, mm-hmm. to arrive at a sense of meeting this in uh, this in industrial relations uh, which was my field in the firm it often meant considerable time spent in debate and argument but it was meant that the decisions once arrived at could be implemented quickly with commitment 
very similar to uh, what we talk about with the voluntary society where a lot of people get scared. Well, well what if I want to do something in my neighborhood and, uh, and uh, some holdout down the street doesn't want to do it? Well, then you don't get to do it with that person. Right. If you don't have 100% agreement, then you don't have a deal. Right. That doesn't mean you can't find the people that are going to agree 100% and move together with those people and, mm-hmm. and organize yourself in, in a way that the market would in order to make it so those things can happen. It just means that you don't get to force that other guy to come on board with your program anymore. So it's, that's what I'm hearing in that. Yep. It's um, I, What can I tell you? The, the encouragement to uh, look for a better way forward rather than to accept the world as it is. It stemmed from the belief that you should follow the divine light within yourself. It made Quakers ready to challenge accepted practices and innovate. The spirit of innovation was unintentionally assisted by one of the laws passed to keep Quakers and other dissenters in their place. The Five Mile Act of uh, 1665 meant that Quakers needed to live more than five miles from established towns and cities. This hasn't happened yet in New Hampshire, but it could very well if the Keniacs keep it up. Mm-hmm. The, um, <laughs> if they were to worship and go about their trades freely, Birmingham was to uh, place uh, was a, such a place and it so it became a center for quakers and nonconformists and this is kind of like the idea of agorist communities where they you know many of them have talked about you know getting some land and getting people together on this to kind of retreat to somewhere where it's safe to yep. be to do things differently yep and i think that it it, it should be very interesting so um they were they had the advantage that they were not bound by the restrictions imposed by the guilds over uh, over matters like apprenticeship and methods of working, guilds which were you know tightly controlled, tightly linked with the uh, monarchies of the time, they were free to invent new products and new methods of production. A good example is Robert Ransom, whose uh, firm makes lawnmowers to this day. In 1803, he invented the self-sharpening plow, which kept its edge as it um, wore. And then in 1808, can you imagine that? I mean, that must have been innovative <laughs> as hell. Then in 1808, it meant the problems that farmers tended to break their plows all the time. Um, at the same time, at the uh, at the beginning of the season, he produced plows that made interchangeable parts. They could quickly be repaired by inserting new parts instead of having the repair to the whole plow on site. In effect, he invented the process of mass production used by Ford to make his cars huh. more than a hundred years <laughs> later. The Quakers, they're, they're doing they're doing all this stuff. They're being innovative and 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 establishing things that we're still doing now. By breaking the rules. Right. Yes. As we were talking about earlier tonight with our caller, if you want to get ahead, don't follow the the establishment. Yeah, he said, I said, well, don't follow the rules. Then he says, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I don't know if I can, if I can, if I'm okay with that or something. Well, then keep failing. That is why you fail. (laughs) So, um, I also like Rules are there to keep you in line. If you, I think it's Murray Rothbard's book, Conceived in Liberty. It's a volume of four uh, four books. It's essentially a Quaker expose talking about how history from sort of the 1400s on uh, was shaped here in the United States and how the United States was conceived in liberty and how um, you know it, it, how the Quakers were so integral in that. And it's it's amazing. It was loaned to me actually by Bile. I, I should clarify that they're breaking the sort of establishment rules. But they do have some their own very strict set of rules, which are constantly, constantly evolving based on the idea that no one knows the perfect answer and we should always be seeking the truth. Yes. So, so there's that's natural law essentially. Yep. That's the whole notion of natural law, which libertarians believe in very strongly. Everyone who says libertarians don't believe in rules, they they don't get it. We, right. we really do, but we don't believe in in these sort of in these in these in these um, really barbaric and outdated man's rules. 
The Quakers respected education. They were excluded from much of the formal education system, and it was not until 1871 the Quakers and Catholics could enter Oxford and Cambridge. They started their own schools and needed to be literate if they were to carry out their mission. As a Quaker history rather than um, rather stuffily puts it, their belief in education and study was an advantageous factor in the quality of mind of an important uh, portion of their labor. Thus, they benefited to the extent that they employed fellow Quakers. And do you see that happening here? The libertarians employ libertarians whenever they have an opportunity, mm-hmm. when it um, you know benefits yep. them. Again, their approach to learning was not bound by ancient custom. William Penn, on leaving for America in 1682, set out his views on how his child should be educated, children should be educated. For their learning, be liberal, but let it be useful knowledge such as is consistent with truth and godliness. I recommend the useful parts of mathematics as building houses, or ships, measuring, surveying, dialing, navigation, but agriculture is especially in my eye. Let my children be husbandmen and housewives. It is industrious, healthy, honest, and of good example like Abraham and the holy ancients who pleased God and obtained a good report. And I think that you know, libertarians are really, like, uh, I, I, at least on this show, and what my experience is, is they don't believe in education that's wasteful. You know, why? I, you know, why? Why get a college education when you're not going to use the darn thing? And mm-hmm. um, so, and get a bunch of uh, indoctrination that is not going to help you to right pretend to be in any way. It's just going to help you to be a good slave. Yep. And um, you know, that you want to be well, uh, you, but you want to be educated in what it is that you do, so that you're not dependent on anyone else. And you know, these so these things that. Anyway, um, I, that, that's the list of, uh, of you know, Quakers in business, and I thought that it was uh, it's particularly you know, was it William Penn? That was the sword. Was that about yeah, William Penn? That, yeah. You know, that, I, and I wanted to bring that back up. There was a uh, I, I read a book recently called Peace Pilgrim. And uh, can we do this no, in a moment, oh, yeah. real quick? The, the sword, Peace Pilgrim. Hold that thought because we got through that. So let's get to the last call here. And uh, the amp lines are still open, but the other number is not at this point. Uh, hello, you're on Free Talk Live, extended edition. Hello. Goodbye. Okay, go ahead, Dale. <laughs> so you said uh, there was that statement, you know, what about my sword? You know, and he said, well, you should carry it as long as you can. And I remember uh, this, and there's a little more to that story. So, but you know, maybe you can bring that back up after I talk about this. But I read a book called Peace Pilgrim. There's no talk of Quakers in there, but it's an awful lot of similarity with what she is, what she represented, uh, uh, and she was way ahead of her time. Still not. Uh, I think had some inconsistencies in her views and everything, but uh, she was walking the country, exactly, <laughs> walking the country, um, walking the country promoting peace. And she was a hardcore pacifist. Uh, and she was, um, she, she, you know, she, she, she constantly spoke of loving everyone, even someone who attacked her violently. She loved that person and felt like they were sick in the head. It wasn't their fault, mm. and et cetera. And there was a point where she's um, talking to this guy who is a big admirer of her, and he's an alcoholic, and he says so. I'm an alcoholic, and uh, and he says, you know, what? Do you have any advice for me? Uh, um, you know, what should I do? I need to, you know, I, I know I kind of know I need to stop drinking, but you know, it's difficult and everything. And she's, and uh, and I'm I'm doing this. From, I hope I'm saying this right. It's a little from memory, but he's and he's got al- a glass of alcohol in his hand, some whiskey or something, and and she says, well, you know, and she gives him some advice for, you know, he needs, you know, you need something else in your life. Keep drinking it as long as you need to. And when you stop needing it. And uh, 
And like that moment, he threw the glass to the side and and smashed it and and stopped drinking. Wow. <laughs> and she didn't she didn't say you're a bad you need to stop drinking that's that's destroying you and you know, it was it was just it was it was more like you know she she was like trying to replace it with something so that he wouldn't need to drink anymore and 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 just help him to you know fill that gap with something else and uh, so it was a very positive approach to helping someone get over something negative you know mm-hmm. something that was destructive to their life and everything yeah I'm looking forward to reading that I. I borrowing it you borrowed it from sam and uh, i'm gonna borrow it here next i, yeah. I read the, uh, the there's a little peace pilgrim mini book where it's all boiled down into you know 16 or 30 pages mm. or something like that a little pamphlet size i read that and really enjoyed it uh so looking forward to it i have the anecdotal story here of uh, william penn and george fox did you want to hear it sure okay because um, all i know is the quote <laughs> so um the following is as far as i've been able to tell the first written account of the alleged discussions between um, william penn and george fox Regarding William Penn's sword, this is taken from Samuel M. Janey, The Life of William Penn, with selections from his correspondence and autobiography. And then it you know, gives where you can find that. My research indicates that this, while this tale is very popular and entrenched in urban legend among friends, and that's what uh, Quakers call themselves generally, it is nonetheless a self-serving falsehood <laughs> unworthy of people who are supposed to be committed to the truth. Um but, you know, whatever. It's a uh, it, it's a story, and it sounds like this guy's got an axe grind. Anyway, um, when William Penn was convinced of the principles of friends and became a frequent attendant of their meetings, he did not immediately relinquish his gay apparel. It is even said that he wore a sword, as then customary among men of rank and fashion. Being one day in the company of George Fox, he asked his advice concerning it, saying that he might, perhaps appear singular among friends, but his sword had once been the means of saving his life without injuring his antagonist, and moreover, that Christ had said that he had no that, that he who hath no sword let him sell his apparel and buy one. George Fox answered, I advise thee to wear it as long as thou canst ca- canst. Um, not long after uh, this they met again, and when William had no sword, and George said to him, William, where is thy sword? Oh, he said, I've taken thy advice. I wore it as long as I could. This anecdote, derived from the reliable, reliable tradition, seems to be characteristic of uh, men in the times. It shows that uh, the primitive friends preferred that their uh, proselytes should be led by the principle of divine truth in their own minds rather than following the opinions of others without sufficient wow. evidence. That's great. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Y'all have anything else you want to cover here tonight? I'm done. All right, no? cool. Good discussion. Uh, appreciate everybody that uh, called in for the extended edition. Just want to mention it was brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. You can go to amp.freetalklive.com and get on board for as little as three bucks a month. Help us market this program to uh, other radio stations uh, around the country. Get on more stations. We're on over 62 at this point. And uh, with the death of Air America today, there's a good chance we'll be getting at least one more out of their uh, their demise. I can't. A hundred stations. We have to get no, some no, more. No, no. Remember, that was uh, Air America oh, yeah. saying they had a hundred stations that helped them do xyz which means okay. it could be you know they could have 15 stations it's gotta right be now. dozens knows? at this point who still. knows uh but anyway so i'll be uh, reaching out to some progressive talk stations tomorrow morning when i get up and if you happen to have a progressive uh, talk radio station in your local area hey take a moment tomorrow pick up the phone and talk to the program director and encourage them to uh to take some free talk live here we'll take another call here since one's coming in who's this you're on free talk live extended edition 
Huh. What the hell? <laughs> Wrong number. All right. Well, we're out of time, and we'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. Don't forget to visit Dale over at anarchyinyourhead.com. And for those of you listening to the uh, Free Talk live streams, you'll be returned to tonight's show in progress. And those of you on the Liberty Radio Network, you'll get the Liberty Radio Network content kicking off with the Onion Radio News. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.